Hello and welcome. Oh God, my voice. <laughs> and then Chris died. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 273 of the Crate and Crowbar. My name is Chris Thurston and tonight I'm joined by Tom Senior. Hello. And Alex Wiltshire. Hi. The gang's all back again. Ooh. Back again. Uh, and speaking of back again and plowing headfirst straight into news, I guess. Yes, I'm just still talking and it's happening. Uh, they've announced Darkest Dungeon 2, which mm, is top news. cool. By they, I mean Red Hook, who made the first one. Yeah. Plus, makes sense, they do it again. It's a good game. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, so Darkest Dungeon is the... Uh, sort of like, um, gothic horror tactics RPG rogue light, he said, vomiting. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> about going under a castle and, and, and having a heart attack because you saw a, a ghost. Getting, getting mental problems. Yeah. And going to either, and like flagellating yourself until you felt better, but in a, in a, in a gothy way. Um, new one. What? Where could they possibly find horrific, disgusting horrors? Well, because there there are <clears throat> there are three settings when you're making a kind of uh, Lovecraftian game. You can go ooh, ooh, ooh. lava lava level. Yep, lava level lava. casino zone. Lava Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> the real the real Cthulhu <laughs> was human avarice. Uh, no, uh, you can go to Green Hill Zone, which is where they've been, yeah. where the Gothic castles are. Right. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, um, you can go to... Ooh, uh, ooh, ooh, uh, the sewer level. Well, I was going to say small New England seaside town. Okay. And they haven't gone for that one. They have gone uh, for the third option. And I, I appreciate this. This one's uh, super reductive, and I really don't mean it to. But they're going beyond the Mountains of Madness, which is the, the other, um, I think, sort of great touchstone of Lovecraftian peril, mm. which is... Go in somewhere cold. And but perhaps, this, you know what this means, don't you, Chris? What? Penguins. Penguins. It does. Yeah, probably. There is a tradition of, of horrific penguins. H- horrific. Yeah. The mm-hmm. giant penguins uh, feature in that story as do, uh, sort of, sort of wobbly sort of <laughs> vegetable monsters from space, possibly yeah. who yeah. are themselves Ooh. afraid of shoggoths because who wouldn't be? Mm. Um, which, I mean, and I, I've both ruined At the Mountains of Madness there, but also, also one of my, my favorite lines in, in Lovecraft, which is, uh, in that book, but in that story. Um, but nonetheless, they are sort of positing a kind of, uh, uh, wintry, icy survival scenario. Can you do the man's voice? Um, I can't. It's, it's an, it's an octave, I think, lower than I can, I can uh. go. I think I can't go that low and, uh, sound like I'm in Deadwood in the way that he is capable of. <laughs> Such a good voice. It's a very, very good voice. I, honestly, for me, it is my favourite part of the game. Mm. I kind of find it so relentlessly grim that I can't... Pers- pretty gruelling, isn't it? Yeah, like, gruelling. Like, yeah. People go mad and then die. That's yeah. pretty much the arc they all have. Yeah. They, might, they might get powerful briefly before the end, but yeah. Uh, a lot of repetitive failure. <laughs> yeah. It's so part of the thing. I quite liked it. So they haven't said much about it, but they have said that they've completely overhauled, that they're going to improve combat, mm. uh, which was already kind of good but completely overhaul the the meta game. And the only clue they gave about this uh, was that it would be more of a journey than um, the first one, which is more about like restoring a town. Like mm. the first one is essentially like a kind of grim, dark Stardew Valley um, about returning to a family estate 
that you've inherited. Uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> planting you know, a few flowers. Yeah, it's like you know, patting a dog and patting a dog. You know, you 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 venture into the tunnels beneath Tom Nook's house and <laughs> find, find all the <laughs> shit he's been up to down there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, Yes, they are going for this journey thing. I think that's actually quite a cool idea. And one thing that reminded me, though, is that it sort of fits into a kind of current tradition of there being quite a lot of sort of, you know, sort of hard-bitten, wintry survival themes mm. in games at the moment. For Frostpunk, for example, which is mm. also about how shit it is to be cold. Yeah, the long dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Metro. Yeah, yeah Metro. Yeah, a lot of... Um, I mean, even parts of... Uh, Sunless skies. Mm. Lara Croft, uh, Tomb Raider. Yeah. 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 Indeed. Many games. Snow in games. That's a little bonus for everyone. Hmm. Um, but I, I do <laughs> like the idea. <laughs> I definitely, because I think, uh, let's have a completely open and honest discussion. How far did everyone get in Darkest Dungeon despite liking it? I don't know. Um, how do you measure progress? Uh, <laughs> did you finish it? No, didn't finish it. Probably got like a third of the way in. <laughs> did you feel like you'd, you'd achieved a kind of mastery or flow with it? Mm, no, I, I, I got used to the flow of sort mm. of gradual despair, but I didn't feel like I was mastering anything. I opened a pub or something. Right. Um, gained a new slot in a witch tower. I can't remember <laughs> what the buildings were about. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, just gradual sort of little bits like that. But yeah, I didn't really feel like it was building towards a crescendo. How about you, Alex? Yeah, like I, I did, don't think I went past the first kind of dungeon area. You know, the first, maybe I got, mm. no, maybe I opened, unlocked the second one, but like I literally found it, found it. So depressing that I couldn't. Yeah. I had a similar experience, like, despite really liking it and restarting it loads of times. Oh, yeah, I've, I've tried playing it yeah. maybe four or five times. That's now. kind of what I was trying to sound out, like how common is yeah. the experience. And then I forget all the mechanics yeah. and then feel depressed again. Yeah. Um, it's a game I haven't finished that I keep feeling like I should. And I think if they had... A... For me, it's the visuals. I, I mean, mm. the visuals and the sound effects and the feel, like, fucking love it. Love Absolutely. And love the, particularly the visuals. Just it's such a beautiful looking game, and just the timing and the feel of things when happen. You know, mm. when you get a critical hit and it, the zooms right in on your weird looking leper. And like, <laughs> there's nothing better. <laughs> there's nothing better than to zoom on a leper. <laughs> <laughs> As he's mauled by a werewolf in a crypt. It's also like, like an, it's an Edward Lear. Lear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the truth universally acknowledged um yeah, yeah no but and I, I don't mean that sound like too down on it but it, it's i think we maybe even have had a question this week which i preemptively answered which is like games you know are great but you just bounce off mm. and i think darkest dungeon was one of them for me like i think i had like one 12 hour run that i moved away from and didn't feel like i could ever go back to but it's clear that lots of people have you know yeah probably min max the game you know it's like a I've seen many discussions about, you know, how easy the game is, mm. like how, how gameable it is. And then it's fixed and then extra, uh, you know, DLC packs and things like mm. it's a huge game now. But that part of the reason mm. why I've gave, given up going back to it is that it's so huge now that I don't think I'll ever feel any yeah. kind of closure with it. Yeah. Cool though. Yeah. I'm pretty glad there's another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. really, really good. Let's do it all over well. again. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, also like they, you know, uh, I think as you say, like it's a remarkable how atmospheric that is. And it may be sort of, you know, I think 
learning to like offering simply offering a way to kind of uh progress through it in a slightly more linear fashion would be very welcome so they're certainly you know remixing the part of it that i would hope that they would do i don't know where that sentence was going and it wouldn't end (laughs) it was a bit like playing the game (laughs) was it no, 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 I didn't get that far. <laughs> Maybe a cool um, Banner Saga-style caravan or something. Mm, that's what, that's yeah. what I had in my mind, yeah. yeah. Although, I mean, right. structurally, that would be the same. You're mm. just going to upgrade your camp and not It'll look a bit down. different. It might be a bit lighter, a bit brighter. I yeah, I think Banner Saga is a good touchstone, actually, because mm. I think they're not similar mechanically, but they're both strategy games, and they're both quite grim. Yes. Like, you know, they're both basically... It's shit in the cold is, the, is, is a common theme of both of them. Banner Saga maybe has, it's less obviously like a horror thing, but it is pretty, like, it's very somber. It's like if mm, deceptively bleak that game actually yeah if you look at the art style it's very beautiful and um the the vistas are gorgeous uh, but it's actually a story of death and dismemberment and <laughs> <really> bitter rivalry <laughs> yeah sort of like it's you know the darkest dungeon is a game of like screaming death underground mm. where everyone's sort of howling like a hundred percent of the time because <laughs> how awful everything is um and um and banner saga is a game of sort of just people just sort of dying and it's like oh oh i guess oh, that's, that's, that's happened doesn't it uh, yeah another like down. he was the nice one with the big beard <laughs> and he's he's just he's down a crevasse shit oh, and no. then you <laughs> like it's it's uh which is equally sad but actually i got through um banner saga partly because um you had a story i was never grinding mm. you know i was never kind of repeating yeah. myself it, i was just sort of getting through the next challenge and then the next and the next set piece yeah can I tell you a sad story of yeah. cold places? Mm. And um, it happened to me just before coming out here. Oh, I man. played, I went back and played Bad North for a while. And I went back to a save that happened just now. Um, and um, I started playing f- like, and it was fairly progressive. And I finally saw that I was really very, like about maybe four or five islands to the, to the very end of a run. And um, I was doing well. Like I had eight um, warrior bands in it. You only take four into each of the levels. Uh, four of them were almost fully upgraded. Like things were looking good. First island, getting back used to playing it because I hadn't played it for maybe two months. Did well. Second island, some fucking Vikings with javelins. Like not, they was throwing spears or something. Very large, heavy things. And he sliced through all of my archers, who were my main thing. They sliced through all of my, like, they just destroyed all of my defences. I lost all four of my upgraded ones, went to the next island, all four of my less upgraded characters, like, teams, went, and it's game over. And because I was rusty, and whatever run I'd set up for myself two Oof. months ago is all over. And that, oh... That was, that was a, that was a shock. Was Slap to the, the face. <laughs> Slap to the face. Bad North indeed. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, it's, thanks for just, you know, checking in. Yeah. Whatever Viking wronged you lately? <laughs> yeah, right in. Exactly. <laughs> a new segment. Great, great. <laughs> exactly. Um, what, 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 what other haps have been haps, haps, haps <laughs> happening? Well, so it's, it's, <laughs> Um, it's Cheer time. Me up. It's time. Well, <laughs> it's time to talk about anthem. <laughs> You've been putting it off. I've been yeah. putting it off. It's not. It's not going to be the the most. Well, I think positive chat. No, and I think there's. I think it's a very interesting situation, and I have a huge amount of sympathy for a lot of people involved mm. working on that game. 
the mother bird has kicked the chicklet out of the nest and it's fallen off the cliff and it's screaming and it's pretty in this analogy the mother bird is electronic arts (laughs) um the chiclet is bioware the cliff is the working class the cliff is the cliff is labor (laughs) yeah um and gravity is um it no the gravity fiscal schedules (laughs) gravity is the idea of a service game (laughs) and um the forces at work in this scenario uh, should it should be it should be it should be noted where the intent and agency is in that metaphor? <laughs> yeah. Um, and the crow yeah. watching beadily from a nearby tree is Bungie. No, I don't think so. Because what are they going to do? Eat Bioware? <laughs> Just interested. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> I think. I mean, it's it's not the circle of life because it'd be it's the circle of life. But if Simba was just flung armor like armor over arm off the top of pride rock if, if the monkey just dropped it at the start yeah and and sort of hopes for the best then <laughs> maybe very different film i feel like uh, we've maybe started off on a weird foot <laughs> yeah so anthem is uh supposed to be i think a kind of destiny style service game that's designed to be played for a long long time where you have um javelins which are these cool mech suits and you fly around in this beautiful open world with jetpacks and you shoot stuff with your friends and then you get loot and you level up and kind of go into an end game that's supposed to kind of evolve over many years. Uh, and it's their, t- their, it's their division two. It's their kind of, uh, destiny. It's, it's EA's version of that thing. Um, and it is sort of like f- it's out. Um, but it's, it's out for people who subscribe to Origin Premiere for a week. And then it's, uh, you know, you could just buy the game normally on Friday when, probably when you're listening to this. Yeah. Um, so we've been playing it, like the press had access to it from, um, the premium phase. And we've been playing it over the weekend, four or five days, like collectively on game. And we've put like 150 hours into it. And, um, it is extremely rough. Um, and a type of rough that you rarely see in AAA game development. And it's not just the odd bug here and there. It is like a chronic, a chronic, a chronically bad experience, like throughout uh, on a technical level. Uh, and that's before you even start digging into like the design decisions, the way that the loot is structured and works, the way that the classes are designed and the kind of inadequate scale to those systems that uh, feel as though they, at this stage, couldn't sustain the kind of game that Destiny or The Division mm. was. Um, and that's like, in spite of the fact that actually flying around the world is fucking cool, feels amazing, um, that a lot of the combat feels really good moment to moment. The strongholds, the kind of dungeons that you go into with um, three mates and that's about 20 minutes, basically the equivalent of Destiny Strikes are actually like super fun mm-hmm. and full of spectacle and big bosses to shoot. Um, it, there's, a, there's a core of something there, but um, what that game, the good version of the game, feels like it's a year away at least from what yeah. I've played so far. Yeah, and I, I don't know necessarily if it's as achievable. Like, it makes for an interesting comparison with Destiny mm. because I, a friend, um, and friend of Pod, Rich McCormick, asked me the other day, "Is this a Destiny One situation where everyone's shitting on it, but if you love it, you know, like, because I, you know, I was in the camp of people going like who love Destiny One from the from the get go, yeah. despite the problems for, in all." you know, a lot of aspects of it. And mm. it's like, there's so, you know, I was a truther in the sort of, there's something here camp. Yeah. And I'm also probably the, the worst Bioware apologist 
in that there has been, apart from Rich McCormick, who still holds that title. Um, and, and I, I, I don't, um, I don't think they can save it. Mm. I think there are fundamental structural problems with the way, um, activities are partitioned up between the zones in the game. So you've got Fort Tarsis, which is essentially a hub, uh, but it's a single player hub. In a game that's fundamentally designed yeah. to be played in co-op. I was really shocked by that. Yeah, and I don't think the reasons for doing that at all justify it being did, a single did, player. I heard that it's like the, the it's not a it's not a wide open space. Is that is that right? Is it from like little corridors? Or something? It's it's not a large space. It's it, it's um. I mean, could you fit four players in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah you could. Yeah, right. you could use it. It's not like a room. It, um, it's you know, it's a, a series of squares town squares and some right. like rooms off shooting there's like a bar area there's like a uh, a place where one of the main arcanist characters sort of shacks up and lives and then there's kind of main square where your javelin is always on display so you can see it you know that makes no narrative sense really um because everyone's supposed to hate the javelins um <laughs> uh and yeah so the the reason is it's like monster hunter world also does this where they want the hub to be able to change Side, you know, become, you know, change as the story progresses. So certain places become more populated, stuff gets built, uh, scaffolding comes down, the statues go up, and that's supposed to provide a kind of narrative context for, uh, your, uh, your javelin's journey. Uh, the javelins, what they call the mechs. Um, but th- that fucks with the rhythm of the game so, so badly if you're trying to play with friends. And it's a game that should, feels like it's fundamentally designed to be played with three, yeah. three friends. It's, it's a group play game. And it made me appreciate how Destiny gets the flow of that experience completely right. Even though, like, Destiny has loads of loading screens. You know, there's been loads of complaints about um, Anthem's loading screens, and they are bad. Even I've got an SSD, which improves matters, and there's still, like, constant interruption. Uh, but it's also stuff like mid-mission cutscenes. And, you know, the fact that in order to advance the quest between missions, you have to go back to your own version of Fort Tarsis and talk to people for five or ten minutes before you rejoin and, and go back into the game again. Oh, um, my God. It, I mean, because that was something that Destiny, Destiny was heavily criticised for, that it would lock you into a cutscene and, you know... But even that, it, but it did it very rarely. It did it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and even then, people, this thing, like, this game feels as though it's been designed in a vacuum as though destiny never ha- didn't happen five or six years ago as though you know if you're surely if you're making that sort of game you, you're watching forums all the time for that type of game and seeing yeah. what people what great what greats for people what the what friction looks like for people and destiny and the, and the division as well which changed a fair bit during its lifetime they, they found all those friction points and they were and they spent loads of resources uh learning that and then fixing it and then Anthem just pops out as though it, they never happened. What I find doubly strange about this is, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think the other really surprising thing about it is the two halves of what Anthem is, which is like, yeah, Destiny style service shooter and mm. also Bioware game. Like it has big overtures at being the kind of thing Bioware make yeah. conversations where you make some choices that don't matter, but you know that they exist. Compa- characters that are sort of like, adjacent to companion characters they're not really but they they are there and you can see that the same uh the same sort of writer's room style approach to creating a cast of characters and pushing them in front of you yeah. is taken with anthem as and in a way that it isn't with destiny where it's much lighter on putting lore in front of you and th- yet it is comp- those two halves are completely incompatible mm. with each other and so you know because i feel like particularly on the storytelling point of view um it is that and i find this really frustrating like it's absolutely lose-lose because if you care about the story 
then two things are possible. If you get into the story and you really care about it, two things are possible. You play solo, which it is not designed for. Mm. For mechanically, it is just simply not designed for. And you won't even have the choice to do certain things solo. So, you know, you're going to be pushed into multiplayer anyway. Ideally, you play with your friends, in which case you're going to be in a weird situation where every 20 minutes, half an hour, you have to ask your friends to shut up or quit Discord or whatever it is you're using for voice so that you can go and enjoy the conversations. Mm. Because you can't go do a five-minute voiced conversation with an NPC if your mates are chatting about Brexit. You know what I mean? Which would be normal in any other multiplayer game where you're just, people are chatting and, you know, in Destiny, people go to the tower and the conversation continues because no one in the tower has to go, shut up, guys, I'm watching a cutscene. That's just rough as, there's no, it just doesn't work. You know, it doesn't, it's not how people play games. And then the flip side to that is if you don't care about the law and you just want to play, you are forced to go back and sit through these conversations. Yeah. And the thing that sits on top of this is, uh, Anthem has been developed, uh, substantially by both Bioware Edmonton and Bioware Austin. And Austin made the Old Republic. And the Old Republic had its flaws, but it actually did successfully marry big Bioware, chunks yeah. of Bioware stuff within a multiplayer game that was actually much bigger scale hmm. and had multiplayer conversations and had, you know, a big shared communal space. And it had players have, sh- had ships that, you know, mm. they could go back to and, and have as a private space where they could advance the plot. But they also had communal spaces and quests that players participated in together without them all needing to be the main character. And that, I mean, admittedly, you know, to the technology difference between those games is, is pretty vast, but they've done it before. So this feels like I, it feels it's, I, I just suspect there's a story here somewhere mm. about how this happened. Like, um, it's, it's striking how it just simply doesn't work like yeah. structurally. Yeah. That's and you know loading times can get shorter, bugs can and will be fixed, and so on. Um, though I think it'll take them a long time to get it into the sort of shape people would expect for a full AAA release like this. Mm. Um, but it has fundamental flaws that run much deeper than those technical issues, uh, and it, it's, it goes it speaks to the loot system as well. Um, hardly any of the, any of the loot items you pick up are visual. There's no visual dimension to them at all. They're just pure numerics. It's about percentage increases to various stats um there's only for my like i like playing with the intercept javelin which is like a really fast fun uh javelin to use but it's only got three types of helmet that that look different and three types of shoulder an arm three types of chest plate and three types of legs really and and um that's it for the entire game for that for that javelin and these games are about loot progression about making your character grow and look cool uh, and your character kind of changing visually and there being more than just a pure nu- numeric ele- element to your journey through the game and there's no evidence that it's just not in the game at the moment and i'm sure they're building it i'm sure it exists somewhere and, and who knows when it will eventually be added and that there are like masterwork items and stuff that, uh, weapons that you can pursue but they're only like there are hardly any types of many types of gun even um and certainly not many like models for those guns there's just a fundamental lack of content that you'd expect from the, this type mm. of large scale. Uh, I keep, RPG I kept seeing the, the word like Diablo, like it's like right. Diablo style loot. I kept seeing, and like Diablo is a huge table of different. Uh, yeah, the loot tables massive, items. and stuff like uh, like Destiny One for all, all its all its problems it had loads of guns. Yeah, it had loads of armor pieces. Had loads of stuff to chase, uh, and you know a lot of. Well, it knew, it knew from the stuff. off that, that like fashion destiny was going to be a thing. Yeah. And that had to be a thing. Yeah. And likewise, Warframe knows this. And, yeah. you know, like, likewise, so many other games 
the division faltered in this respect because the whole aesthetic of that game doesn't lend itself <laughs> to creating dazzling space people. Find uh, a beanie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, Ooh, like, a new backpack. That was one of the reasons why I didn't play the division was because that yeah, the fantasy wasn't, wasn't appealing. The fantasy yeah. wasn't appealing, and the sense of character progression and earning cool stuff and looking cool wasn't there. And it's not there in um, Anthem at all. Uh, and I've picked up hundreds and hundreds of crafting materials, and I've got fuck all to craft with it. Uh, like you can craft different versions of all weapons, but there's there's just no no need. There's nothing I want. There's nothing I need to do harder stuff in the game at the moment. But like the division didn't really suffer from the lack of it because it was fitting with the setting. But this is like mm. you'd expect it. I I was just assumed it. Well, the, but there, there was a lot of stuff in the division. It was just boring. It was yeah, just for sure. Yeah. Different, yeah. Slightly different types exactly, of Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was just and you know guns that you couldn't really see. Cause you found a fireman's shiny ACOG. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> I'm such a high level now. Uh, and of course, like, you don't expect the massive kind of spiky shoulder pads wow style from the division. And, uh, but there's so much scope in Anthem's aesthetic to create cool looking mechs, you know, and there's the, I would, I would grind and play that game a lot to get, make my interceptor look better, but it just feels like that's not in the game at all. Um, and that, that's even without discussing the skill system, uh, where each javelin has like five primary skills and five secondary skills. And there's, uh, one of the main kind of combat mechanics is, is comboing. And combos, which has evolved from like Mass Effect 3 and Andromeda. Yeah, and Dragon Age. And Dragon Age, yeah, where you, you kind of inflict an enemy with a status effect, um, which is called a primer in Anthem sometimes, depending on which bit of yeah. an item takes you. And then you apply the base coat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you've got detonators, <laughs> which are incisive attacks that blow up the target and create additional effects around the explosion area, uh, called aura effects, um, which are different for each class. Uh, and so it's, it's, an idea, it's the idea is that your mate freezes a dude and then you zap them with your detonator and they blow up and you do massive damage and it feels great um but wow like the, the there are so few like combinations available to each javelin and i was writing a guide for the interceptor there are probably like just two viable builds where you can com- set off combos mm. yourself uh, and most of the abilities like half the abilities probably aren't uh aren't primers or detonators so why do you take them when the, all the massive amounts of da- your damage source is combos at a high level in strongholds and you know high difficulties so what's the point in those abilities that aren't even part of that system it's just a fundamental design problem like why is that appealing that's before you even get into the how poorly expressed the entire system is and not just the fact that the game doesn't tell you about it it says you know you might get a pop-up piece of text that says oh you might want to try a combo and then it says fuck all about it for the rest of the game you never hear about it again um so you go into the kind of uh, cortex, as they call it, which is their sort of in-game manual, and you leaf through the pages and it says, oh, you know, here's what a primer is, and it, it's marked by a circular symbol next to the skill name, and here's what a detonator is, and that's marked by a four-pointed star symbol next to the skill name. And then you go into the, the forge, which is where you set up your loadout, and you look at the skills for the interceptor, and some of them have circles and stars next to them, but they're wrong. They're straight up wrong. So it's crazy. There's, there's, and you know, so there's a, there's a detonator called det. No, it's not a detonator. A skill called detonating strike, which you think that's a detonator. Never cool. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have, it doesn't have the four pointed star next to it, but it's called detonating strike. It must be a detonator, right? You go into the game, you use it. Not only is it not a detonator, it's actually a primer. It's actually the opposite thing to <laughs> what the skill name suggests and what any of the iconography around the skill suggests. There's weird stuff in the skill descriptions that it's as though they're talking about a different game. Here's like, you could shoot ghosts out of your face. That's cool. Two ghosts hits one guy, 
homes off to hit another guy uh, and it does loads of damage. And it's, uh, the skill description says it warps two enemies and warp isn't a thing in Anthem. I go through the go through the cortex. What do you mean warp? What are you talking about? So not it warps two as in it goes to. Mm. As in kind of like it, it disappears and then kind of Does it mean re- does it mean it reappears. teleports to? No, it's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a projectile. It's like a right. sort of like shit hadouken that kind of, you know, fires in one <laughs> and then bounces to another guy. And it's it, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and th- there are sometimes, you know, skill descriptions that would just say, oh, emits a cloud of gas, uh, acid gas. And then it just says, aura combo, full stop. What the fuck is an aura combo? Like, the, the whole language around the combos is primers, detonators. What the fuck is an aura combo? It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like this is, there, there's sort of remnants of writing from, uh, it feels as though 18 months ago in the development process, where perhaps some of these things were called different things. But it's the fact that just the basic skill descriptions just haven't had an edit pass to normalize the language across the entire skill set and, and to communicate properly using the iconography they've described to you, what the skills actually do in the game is I've, I just haven't seen anything like it. Like you don't see the shit in games with, t- two people making them not, mm. not not to mention you know millions and millions of dollars five years um multiple studios ea's sort of marketing might behind it this, it's clown shoe stuff it's really really shocking actually i haven't played anything quite as rope i don't think i've ever time. seen you this animated by how shocking something is it's, i don't mean that in a bad way it's just like it's just i, th- I think it's so noticeable how how fucked it is um and, and and i know that they'll do these passes they'll they'll do this stuff but it just speaks to how it's just not ready f- be launched the idea that this friday is going to come into contact not just with pc players but with console players that don't have ssd drives with the loading screens that they're going to get i i i really feel awful for the developers that uh, are about to yeah, get this in the neck because it's not ready it's not ready like that. I've, I've been concerned already because of the rate i mean it's been updated quite a lot over the last few days it's been, it's been out to, yeah and I think the people are working very, very long Absolutely, hours to yeah. get them out. It's kind yeah. of like the speed at which stuff is stuff is getting fixed is kind of laudable and yet chilling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I remember playing it. Um, so I played it a little bit longer. I haven't actually been playing in this current, um, you know, uh, period. I, I played it about a month prior, and the the moment it clicked for me was like doing uh, not strikes, what they called strongholds, strongholds, like doing that for the first time. There is, there is something there. Yes. And there's like the, you know, it's so, it's so janky all over the place. Like I remember playing it and discovering that, uh, the, the, the big javelin, the Colossus, Mm. uh, with the shield out where you can, you can sprint into people with your, your big shield in front of you and sort of stun them by barging into them. And I discovered with a friend that two, two Colossi, Running in a circle can solo a lot of early missions mm. without ever firing a shot because you chain stun everything that enters the the washing machine you've constructed, <laughs> and it's very funny, but it feels like oh, this isn't one who was intended to be able to do. Mm. But then it all kind of came together for me playing those stronghold things where you have big sort of open arena environments that are much bigger than anything necessary Destiny would do because of the verticality and the movement powers you've got, where <coughs> And it's this glimmer of something where, you know, you'd have like the, the, the interceptor, the cool, fast, small javelin 
uh, it's like literally shoot off like Iron Man to deal with turrets set into the canyon wall because they're in a good position to get up and melee and yeah. beat up the turrets while heavier javelins sort of, you know, bunker down and, and get into a, a cool firefight in the center. Mm. And that combination of vertical mobility and, um, all these like sort of the, the combo system and things, it feels like there's the, the first half of something there that actually also feels very pointedly like an evolution of Mass Effect Andromeda's combat system. Yes. Which was, it was given credit, but I still think it was better than a lot of people gave it credit for because mm. it got lost behind that game's other kind of more public flaws that they'd, you know, there's this other side of Bioware that have been quietly developing pretty good jetpack co-op shooter games for like yeah, a couple Mass- years from Mass Effect 3 onwards, right? Like, yeah, definitely. Um, and so they have this DNA, right? You can say that's a Bioware thing. It's not, it's not just kissing. You can say, you know, they're really interested in, in interesting four, three to four player co-op shooting experiences because yeah. Mass Effect 3 has such a good multiplayer. This, this happened and, and this has got the first half of it, but I also completely agree that it's so ropey and like the loot system is so boring. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just the things don't even look different. It's the stats aren't even that exciting. Yeah. Cause it's, it's like, it's really opaque what they change. You don't really know why it's important. And particularly, you know, one of the weaknesses of the combo system is that is ultimately, as you say, more important than, you know, if it was a trade off between I can have the ability that combos in a powerful way or the ability that just is powerful, but that, you know, I trade off reliability for combo power, you know, something like that. There's, mm. the, there's, there's something there balance wise, right? You could design a, a system around that. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but it just, it, it not, it's not there. And what, yeah, go on. Go on. What do you, what, what's the kind of long, I mean, what would you, if this is something that's good running for, for weeks and years and months, you know, what, what are you doing? every day like even from the start destiny had like you could do story missions you when you mm. first get it you're doing the story you know the campaign stuff yeah and then you're doing like multiplayer which could take the, the you know sort of crucible sort of you know team deathmatch stuff and various other modes there you could be doing strikes which are kind of more involved you know dungeon runs with friends or you could do the raid or you could do there are multiple strands of what you could do even from the very start of that like yeah and i haven't really i don't know what 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 do you what do you do like is there a variety in this game because there's not a multiplayer game i've always said like competitive multiplayer. no pvp no um the that they're going to add probably their equivalent of a raid or a cataclysm or i think it's called um which is on their roadmap for this year and i don't did the uh, vault of glass launch with destiny one it was a so. month later oh it's a, so it's only a month later so it was in but the, everybody knew about away. it. Like it was yes. announced. It was like, and it was teased in the story. It was coming, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And there's a, like, which felt important. Like you've got to tell people that's like a mega part of the game. Yeah, and there's a gear ramp up to it as well that yeah. you're chasing in Destiny One to get there. Like it was a really clear road, wasn't mm. there? Yeah, yeah. The, Destiny One's like late game loot system was busted. Like mm. I think it's. I don't want to like rose tinted glasses Destiny too much. Like, sure. They made loads of mistakes, but but, but, but you yeah. knew there was a road, and like the road might might have been a bit broken, but like you know at least yeah. you know where it, it was. was going. It was inelegant, yeah. but there was a clear like this is what the next yeah. step is. Yeah, yeah. So in Anthem, you've got three strongholds. Or, um, in the and game. they're strikes, are they? They're basically strikes. Uh, and there's and three I'm, of them. There's three of them. I did one of them, and I thought. I, Oh Jesus! Yeah, um, and one not... of them's one of them's just the, the last single player mission. No, and the other one is original. Um, so there's those, and the other thing is quick play, which uh, much makes you into other people's games within the story to help them out, and you get bonus XP for doing that just to keep everyone's games populated. Uh, but they're story missions you play, so you're, you're repeating story missions or you're doing the strongholds. So there's a whole mode that's, that's devoted to ensuring that people's teams are filled. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and quick play is what was broken this week. That's why people were getting much made into much higher level missions than they should have been in because they pressed quick play and level three people were being much made into games with, which it was just straight up bug. I think it's probably been fixed now. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's quick play. It's doing story missions. There are some side quests I'm still polishing off. I finished the story. I'm about level 23 out of 30. Um, I say side quest. Of course, I forgot about the Bioware thing. So basically, there are, there are you're like talking to characters and you're getting quests. Yeah. And I don't know like how long that track will run. Um, but I'm still on it. There's still like a couple of quest givers doing their thing. And they're, they're all kind of nice short stories. That's quite content heavy. Like, you know, cause you can see where, you know, Bungie and, and Warframe and, you know, these games, know how difficult it is you know expensive it is to make content so they just mm. make content which is able to spool itself out over long periods with nice rewards like where the repetitive repetitive actions feel fine because you get a nice reward at the end yeah potentially but it doesn't tell you what reward you're going to get in anthem mm. so the the um in the end game they give you a huge checklist of free play of stuff to do so you know i'll do x number of strongholds or do x quick play um and there's also free play where you just zoom around the world and there are kind of world events and you, you loot stuff um and it, the list is enormous it's like do 100 world events 100 <laughs> and you just look and it doesn't tell you what you get at the end of it it doesn't there's no sense for reward like destiny knows destiny says you're going to get an exotic blueprint we're not going to tell you what it is necessarily or you're going to get exotic thing but you know, but you know the you know, there's there's, there's yeah. a, a pot of gold at the end of that thing, and and there's no. The, I I know from reading around that master work weapons are like significant loot in this game. The game hasn't told me about it, and I finished the story, and I'm in the end game. So it's again just total lack of communication with the player about what the game is about or what the trajectory is, and you suspect that you know who who really knows what the trajectory of the game is even within that studio like that they're definitely planning to put a raid in or some sort of th- cataclysm whatever that means um but apart from that it's just can you see the space in which that that big raid would take like i think you know you could see the blueprint of what a raid might be in in destiny where like yeah. you know there are these kind of extremely tricksy sort of scenarios where team would be asked to kind of yeah, so not to get switched into the story, which is very, very just kind of, uh, made up sci-fi concept heavy. Uh, th- there's the anthem of creation that everyone's chasing, which is basically this kind of, uh, song of creation that refuses to be controlled, but lots of people want to control it anyway to make stuff. But sometimes it goes out of control and it makes big monsters. Somebody uh, goes in with bad pipes and, uh, uh, <laughs> and settles it down. And uh, it's your job to say Anyway, this is Wonder Wall. <laughs> um, have you heard this, the anthem of creation? Uh, so some characters in the thing have, and it's it's not like the best experience they've ever had. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it warps and changes them and all that kind of stuff, and oh, makes okay. and makes boss monsters basically <laughs> is what it's made to do. Uh, so you can see yourself being sucked into one of those into, into a, a, new, a different realm. Well, the, 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 the opening of the game is essentially a cataclysm. Yes. Right? That's like right. The prologue. Yeah. 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 And so it's like you know, in space where reality is all a bit wrong and weird. And the, here's a big man called a Titan and he tries Punch to crush with his big punches. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. So you can see how this stuff would happen. And it would look like the game does look awesome. Like, it looks spectacular. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful game. Um, I, I wonder, like, it's almost the fidelity of that game has hurt, hurt it when it comes to loading times and that kind of stuff and the huge number of transitions you have to make between various screens. That's that's another flaw with the way the game is kind of partitioned up is that um, when you're out in a mission or just doing free play, you can't look at your inventory or what you're wearing and you can't certainly can't change your loadout or anything. Um, 
because all of that stuff is locked behind in the forge, which is behind several loading screens, like inside Fort Tarsus that you have to go into and all of your tweaking happens there. And like, well, there's no loot. There's nothing to tweak. So there's, <laughs> well, there is that, I suppose. But yeah, the, yeah. I mean, what, to be fair, Warframe does this as well. You have to do your loadout on Warframe before you go on a mission. But a mission is like five or ten minutes. Yeah, it's, it's five or ten missions of going down a slide. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go down the tunnel and that's it. It's just uh, wee, and then <laughs> you get some prizes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, it's, and it feels and the dopamine goes off in your brain and it's good. Um, but yeah, the idea like from Destiny, I'm just so, so used to be able to just tweak my loadout while loading speeds are happening or while, you know, yeah. you're waiting for something. It's just an essential Well, it's even that the, the strange decision that you don't see what loot you got. No. You see you got a rare item, but you don't know what it is until the end of the mission. Ooh. Which is a level of abstraction that I don't know Luke can survive. It feels like an exercise in like... Well, but like you do have... You, you have the engrams you yes, have to but, decode, but or, the, know, identify. You know, yes, but you also do get um yeah. specific loot yes true. and and <laughs> there is also a much clearer sense of you know oh a legendary engram is exciting because mm. i have a history and what kind of thing that might be um this just feels like you know it's it feels like you know several you know decades ago now someone a very 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 smart person at blizzard decided to make common items green <laughs> rare items blue uh, you know, epic items purple and legendary items yellow. Hmm. And this apparently was some sort of like no. magic key for the, <laughs> the, the human like limbic system. And, <laughs> and you know, but that, that was new. That was a new thing, right? And then it was just adopted by every, every loot game since. Yeah. And now we've reduced it down to the point that you just need to show me a blue light. <laughs> and, and I'm like, yes, I did do well. <laughs> yeah, that's all it takes now. And like, I thought you were going to say that they're not behaving, not, they haven't used the right colors no they have oh, used, they have, they've used yeah, exactly yeah. the same colors that's, yeah. that's what i'm saying they've yeah, used exactly yeah. the same colors but they've just reduced it to those colors like there's nothing else yeah, yeah. you know it used to be like a <laughs> all of it from the stats to you know uh i'm just so the loot when it, so your your character has i think when you top level you have seven slots for just basically buff squares little rectangles of stats that you put on your in your character sheet and um, uh, loads of the loot that drops is just those, where it's just like, oh, this will add X to your shields, X to your armor, plus... Eggs to your shield. Eggs. eggs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it just adds eggs to your shield. <laughs> and then... It's, yeah, it's, uh, game sounds pretty good. <laughs> a few, like, little buffs here and there to, like, elemental damage or something. Um, but there are, like, six separate slots on your character for just numbers stuff. And that's not... I mean, it is loot, ultimately, it's all ones and zeros or whatever. But, you know, there has to be more of a, uh, a greater dimension than just simply slightly buffing stats here and there. Well, yeah. that's, I mean, like, going on, like, going back to Destiny again, like, there, and, and actually Diablo as well, mm. like, where it, well, there's, there's a, there's a, a slightly cruel feeling sometimes, but there's a real interesting tension between, we talked about this a few weeks ago, mm. the stuff that looks nice and the stuff that, Mm. does does nice you know and, and yeah. that's part of a, that's part of like an, an engagement with the game like oh yeah. christ i really like that hat but this one's better like mm. and that's been in loads of rpgs you know sort of if you get rid of that if you abstract it down to numbers like you're never going to get that it's engagement. funny isn't it it feels like yeah it feels like in in seeing it done wrong apparently just because from the way it feels you start to understand what the limits of those abstractions are <coughs> because we have all accepted now that a hat 
can make you better at things. That is, that <laughs> is stupid. stupid. Yeah. That is, that is stupid. Every video game does this. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense in sci-fi games. It doesn't make sense in fantasy games. You, you put on a hat, you're strong now because the hat has strength on it. Hmm. You, there's, there's no way of putting yourself meaningfully in the mind of, you know, the play, in the character, like trying to feel what that feels like. You know, there's no, there's no visceral sense there. There's no, you know, no. nothing being communicated, but we accept it because you're kind of used to it. And you're like, well, I get numbers and a, a better looking head out of this transaction with reality. And, but there's a step beyond that where it's just like, I've changed the, the, like the, the number plate on the back of my, <laughs> My space my, my, yeah and now and, and now headshots do three point half percent more energy damage and there's clearly a point where you don't you stop accepting it you know what yeah. i mean where you stop feeling anything mm. because of the the number way it stops working you need you need your little sort of avatar you need the paper doll you, you need, need the paper doll you need exactly. the dress up you need yeah. the yeah. yep yeah, there's a sense that it's weird. It is. It is totally bizarre that they haven't learned from, or apparently been even looking at the stuff that solved this stuff, or engaged. including the games they've made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and stuff like you know taking missions in the field. Um, Destiny, you've sold, did this brilliantly with bounties. Yeah. So you pick up bounties in town. You pick up loads of them, Destiny 2 now, and you fill a whole big, beautiful grid with these bounties. And then they'll just give you little kind of micro rewards as Take you go off. about doing Take your stuff. Off. Yeah. Um, and it's absolutely fantastic. Like, it, it just steal it. Just steal I the I system. I guarantee you, if they had that do 100 world events thing, mm. but it was something you went up and picked up from town, as in the quest to do it, yeah. and there was a, a purple light on the bottom of the thing, <laughs> you would feel better something about it. Something for it. You would yeah, feel yeah. better about it. Like it's so much of it is presentation. Yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, it matters. And yeah, mm, it's frustrating. Like, and, and I suppose the, I appreciate we've been talking about it for a good, old, good half an hour now. And, and it, I think it's it's rare on this podcast that we take something, dissect something like this. I think, and not in a bad mm. way. It's just you know what I mean. It's, it's rare to be energized by frustration. It's, it's because it, even without the Bioware element, and like I've, I love Bioware games historically. But even without that, it's such an, it's so rare to see a game released like this. Yeah. As I said before, like, it's really, really unusual. And, uh, and there's, you're right, there's, there must be big stories around this, like, for some reason EA had to put it out, out right now, two weeks after Apex Legends was just, you know, turbo launched and became a viral success. That feels more like it makes sense now. Just so in some mm. dark way, it feels like yeah. this is being sent out to die. Like, I don't know why. And I've got theories, but it's, it's just, you know what I mean? It, it, it feels now that it's like, there was no danger that Apex Legends would steal Anthem's thunder because if anything, they need a success mm. to run alongside this not being ready to be out. And obviously the, the, the proper answer is probably, well, don't release it then. And certainly don't charge 15 pounds a month for pre-access premium, to it. Premium access. And then it's probably 50 or 60 pounds. Even, even that has really wound me up because I actually had it on pre-order because despite my problems with it, I had some faith that obviously I think, it, you know, that, um, that it would be better, I think. And also, but, but also beyond anything else for all of its problems, I got the impression, which I don't think is an unreasonable impression that this is going to be a fun 20 hours hmm. that I might play with mates and I'll see the story through to the end and kind of get it. And then I'm done. Yeah. And in the grand cost benefit analysis of it, maybe that's not worth the 50 quid they're charging for it. But it's like, 
I, you know, I like the flying a lot. Mm. You know, there's enough in there for just to play through it. But a big part of that is sharing that experience with your mates, right? Like, I had this feeling that this is going to be one of those honeymoon period games that we're all kind of playing for two weeks. Oh, yeah. And then we kind of move on from, but I sort of figured that was actually worth it. But I didn't, uh, I didn't want to subscribe to Origin What's It. And I'm not a journalist anymore, so I don't have a code. Mm. And what that meant was, um, loads of my friends are playing it and are miles ahead of me. Um, so I can't really play with them and it's not even out yet. And therefore I, uh, I, I, and I will say this, I had an excellent experience with EA customer support where I, I had to actually live chat with somebody and I said, look, I just don't want to play this anymore. Hmm. Like the, the fact that all my friends have played it mean I don't want to play it. And they're like, okay, a uh, full refund, like completely refunded and removed the pre-order from my origin yeah. account. Their customer support was very good that's that's but but it was like but one thing i'm trying to do is like your structure of the way you've released this is absolutely drained my mm. desire to even give it the time i was planning to give it and that was even as somebody who'd already played 10 odd hours of it and knew its flaws and it's just like that is so like that is the, a serious problem isn't it's it it's a serious problem like there's a time on a tradition of the night before release beta reset where loads of your mates put loads of time into the beta and everyone waits by the starting gun for the MMO mm. to go racing off into the starting zone again and yeah people with the experience will maybe progress a little bit faster because they don't need to read the story and and they know they how know to level to fast and stuff <laughs> but launch day in an MMO which is sort of what this is is like is is exciting because everyone is beginning the game mm. buying it tomorrow just like i mean and obviously i'm in a particular situation where my friends have all rinsed it because they're either game journalists or they've subscribed so they've, they've been playing it early but like it's a, i was actually kind of sad about how like it almost felt like that had sort of stolen the game from me not mm. that i blame any of the, my friends for i don't blame you tom for playing it for work that's not it but no, it's no, like I, mean. I had it in my head that like it's probably going to be a bit of a failure but i will probably have fun playing it with tom and co for mm. a couple of weeks you know what i mean like yeah. and it's like now i don't want to do that because it doesn't make sense for me at level three to be bouncing around saying like well what can we do together mm. probably not a lot like you know what i mean it's yeah, like yeah, definitely it's that it's, it's, it's a it, that and that that's just a stupid decision. And I say that, don't say that lightly. Just, it just, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm just sort of left wondering whether what it could look like in a year. You're always trying to yeah. extrapolate from where it's at. And, you know, this is the worst the game's ever going to be. Mm. <laughs> you know, trying to see the right side of this. <laughs> uh, as a, as a, public player is the worst it's going to be like they're all they're going to do is fix bugs and stuff um and it's really like how much uh financial backing is it going to get are they going to keep the doors open for a year are they going to really yeah. um are they going to bankroll serious design changes are the kind of there's no doubt they'll add loads and loads of loot to it it's just not in the game at all yet uh and there's no doubt they'll add loads of uh like over the course of years they could add more and more interesting events and you know stuff to do in the world is there enough there to justify it? It's really, really hard to tell. And um, I mean, I would say the, the the division felt pretty ropey, insubstantial. Like, yeah, progression yeah. seemed kind of non-existent or pointless mm. in that game at the start. And Ubisoft obviously put a shitload into it, yeah. and and have continued to. And obviously, it's the same yeah, as going. I, so. I mean, it'd be really bizarre if 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 this didn't happen here. 
I'd hope so. And I don't know if it would be bizarre. Oh yeah. Well, if it is been sent out just to, but why would but, you bankroll? Why would you, of, why would you release it? Because it's going to be a black mark against one of your premier studios and the, yeah. the company in general. I, like, you know, the you yeah, have investors that are going to go, what the fuck? You know, hmm. you should have sunk that cost. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think EA are in that position, right? Like EA's, EA's line in the sand is, well, we make more money than this in eight seconds in FIFA Ultimate Team. Why should we? Why do we need to get this over? Like, mm. seriously, like, if you're in that position where your company is so heavily bankrolled by FIFA and Madden, basically, like, is there, is there the same impetus to... But they, they have a, they have a brand to upkeep and that, that probably isn't, do it they? is valid. Yeah, but no. Do it- they? Does, like, and this is a serious question. Does a company with the, um, often undeserved reputational issues that EA have, do, do they have a brand to protect? Yes, because they, they have investors who want to be associated with something that's positive, you know, that, that, that looks a bankable thing. Like, the numbers aren't the only, the, the pure thing that's going on here. Like, you know, there's emotion it, that goes into yeah. any kind of financial There is. Kind of uh, no, you're absolutely right about like that, that, but I just can't see a recent example when EA have acted on that. Well, I mean, I, th- I think that it's easy to judge it's, di- it's difficult to judge that sort of well from the outside. Sure. Like, but what I would say is like, <clears throat> I mean, well, actually, no, I can think of an example of it. I think, um, I think the last example of this would be Battlefront 1. I think basically, you know, the, the decision for Battlefront to be a purely service game, um, was a business one and it fits with the ace broader strategy. It took John Boyega tweeting, where's the single player campaign? for Battlefront 2 to have a single player campaign. That was kind of like a fan pleasing, um, you know, and sort of license, probably pleasing license, uh, pleasing effort that went, I think probably unnoticed in the end because of the loot box controversy about that game. So they kind of walked straight out of one thing into another. But I think that's probably an example of what you're talking about. Like the kind of emotional rather than the practical, but still like, I mean, if, if, because if it was a pure financial thing, I would say they'd have just, been it now they know what the problems are maybe but i think the flip side to that is i think ea have quite a poor track record in the last couple of years that they haven't really managed to shake of like having their prestige games like i think this is a big difference between ea and, and ubisoft to some extent like U- ubisoft tend to like have um series that they they really sort of and, and they're both big businesses it's, it's a business at the end of the day but there's sort of a sense of like um this is a flagship thing, so we'll kind of protect it. Whereas, um, I don't really see that out of EA. Like, the, there's, a, there's a much stronger kind of everything getting folded into the service mm. mechanism. They've, they've, you know, they've, they've cancelled the same, like, probably the most, uh, sort of popular thing they could do right now would be a sort of robust single player Star Wars game because they've got the license to end all licenses. Mm. And they've cancelled the same one twice. Yeah, yeah. Like, they took it, like, they cancelled Amy Hennig's version of it, gave that to Visceral, another well-liked studio, because the, the years of EA being the company behind things like Dead Space, that's, that's gone. Mm. Like, you know, it feels like the years of EA being the company behind Mass Effect is gone. Like, mm. when, where is the, where is, where is that game? Where is the, I've got Origin installed because I love Bioware games, ironically. Like, you know what I mean? Like, where, where is that coming from now? But the fact that they've binned, like, I think the fact that they've binned those previous Star Wars games, it's sort of, is an illustration of what I feel about them, which is 
they are not afraid to get rid of stuff that they don't want to, like that they don't see a future in. Mm. But when they do have a game, they have a future. In. I look, I mean, look at Battlefront One. They released Battlefront Two. You know, like, you know, quite soon on. Like, yeah. You know, I, I, I think that this is going to be. I mean, obviously, this is all conjecture, and like, we could do a nice little bet on it. But you know, for funsies. But like, mm. I think that, I think that that they will. I don't think they release stuff that they're not going to invest in over a long period. But I, because, because they need those banner games because like, because the reschedule has slowed so much among the, you know, uh, among the big companies. Where are the other big mm, EA games? Yeah. You know, if it didn't have Anthem, its portfolio is a big game down. Like, and yeah, are, then it is but just, this is, FIFA. this is the thing though. And I, I wonder if this is like, a, a, a truth about how money gets made that we're slow to we're, we're slow to appreciate that like you know they're making more and more money out of fewer and fewer games so why would you make those extra games again i think it's about a plausible portfolio like yeah. it's about it's about the investors like i i just think almost every decision the big companies make now is about how do we wank the investors and I, I i agree with that i do agree with that and I, I, this is but i think the thing for me is like i would almost flip on its head and say how do you justify to invest you know you can go to investors and say this is the bajillion pounds we've made from fifa mm. um nothing else we everything else we do costs more and makes less but then, but then <laughs> like but, but with fifa you've got the problem like you've got sort of what if says miss investor what if fifa don't give you the license next year. Yeah, yeah. Like you know th- th- that that get that series dies. I, I, like this is this is conjecture, but I wonder if like I, I think if you were EA, you're gonna you probably live in existential terror of that scenario. Yeah. But that's the thing that surprised, and that you know I can't imagine the Star Wars license is an easy thing to have, and like oh you know <laughs> like that's another thing. But um, but I just don't see the coherent effort to replace it with some. I imagine there is a desire to replace it with owned, wholly owned properties but yeah i mean maybe i'm completely wrong maybe they will pump support into anthem to try and try and make it happen i haven't really seen that much support from it in terms in terms of like advertising and things i don't know if that's mm, just yeah, me. I, I don't know i'm really i mean there was a i felt there was quite a lot in the last past few months does that neil Blomkamp short oh yeah yeah it's not gonna help anything <laughs> you've watched it that doesn't tell you anything about the game uh yeah they've, they've done like a sprint Right, right, at the last minute, but really, it's not for the size of this game. You'd, you'd expect like a sort of twelve-month ramp up, big, bigger showing at E3, press previews, that kind of stuff yeah. hasn't happened for this game. I mean, maybe that's this piece of a lack of confidence in it. Yeah. The, the other thing is like, so the, the reason why you'd have a game as a service game is that you can continue, you can continue charging people various ways for that, and I don't see that how this game is going to make ongoing money in the state it's in, like or for for ages yeah because <laughs> it has it's got like a it does have a microtransaction store there's six things in it and they're all crap <laughs> and there's no reason why you'd want them because like the loot system is so bad have have some blue some <laughs> yellow 6.99 yeah well, it's, it's like oh here's three armor pieces they look very much the same as the armor, you know the very limited armor pieces you have access to access to already yeah also i think i think the thing i've just uh, forgotten the last when we're talking about like whether or not it makes sense for ea to support it is they just launched Apex Legends. If they if they need to wank a shareholder today, they can do it by saying, "Look, we've just made the thing that's come closest to like being called a Fortnite killer that anyone has made mm. ever." 
Yeah. No, you know, absolutely. like they, you know, like absolutely, there is that, there is that. But, please, um, please ignore this little chicklet we just kicked off a cliff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in its javelin class exosuit. <laughs> like it's, yeah, and I, this is this is a downer. Like there's no, there's no way except a downer. But like, yeah, I, I am, I really want to read the interesting post mortem. Hopefully not. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. But hopefully retrospective, not postmortem, but mm. whatever's written after this about what actually happened. There's even just little things. I don't know if this is, I wanted to pick your brain about this, Tom, because mm. it really bothered me when I played it. Um, this is, so it's not really, I'm not going to see spoil anything for Anthem's story, mm. but I think one thing we actually haven't touched on materially, I think you mentioned it briefly that it's mostly a story of big nouns fighting. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, I was surprised by how, uh, unmoved I was by its storytelling mm. and i as i have said i'm in- incredibly movable by bioware games <laughs> right like mm. just give me a, a big castle to a hill to die on and some aliens to kiss and i'm i will do both <laughs> um mm. <laughs> and i'll send i'll make difficult choices about which other aliens i'm going to send to die on different hills like that's all i want um yeah it's it, it's always very very difficult to introduce players to like a, a whole new universe a whole new mm. world without kind of letting the player sort of, uh, you know, bathe in it for a bit. And, you know, with Mass Effect 1, like, there's so many, like, so much talking that has to happen before you, like, that has to set out the parameters of the world. And, uh, you know, they have to explain to you what mass relays are and what, you know, mass effect is, you know, as a, a driving force in the universe, eventually who the Reapers are. But they really drip feed it to you because an RPG, a single-player RPG can completely control the yeah, way information it, is slowly delivered and built and it's up also about you you uh, sort of it's, yeah. it's worth it because this is a world that's being laid out for you to enjoy mm. not for profits to be rendered upon you know what i mean like yeah the um it, uh so anthem does a terrible terrible job of giving you any sense of like stakes around what you're doing you know especially not your personal stakes but stakes to the characters around you yeah who you've only just met and who then just promptly vanish immediately out of the that, story <laughs> i wanted to ask you this is the thing i want to ask you about yes so um extremely minor spoilers but hmm. Anthem's opening is extremely strange because you have a prologue where you're kind of introduced as the new, the new rookie and it's kind of big and dramatic and you're introduced to your squad of, um, pilots. You're kind of, there is a sort of like, there's a, there's a type of, and I, I say this fondly, but like, one way or another, completely fucking doomed mentor figures in Bioware games. <laughs> right, you got yes. Duncan in Dragon Age and even Captain Anderson in Mass Effect to a degree, right? People who are either going to die or you're going to be separated from, but are there to be like, you know, you're special, but also dumb. Let me explain things to you. <laughs> Bye. <Goodbye, Dad. laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Dad. Dad's gone. Dad drops you off at the park. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like, a fun, and fancy the dad that drops you off at the park. They're all there. And then they all vanish from the story almost completely, as far yeah. as I can tell. And you're somewhere else, months later, doing something else under different circumstances. So, whoop, there whoop, they are. Oh, okay. And that's weird. And then about two or three hours in, you go and talk to a character that you've barely met, um, but who seems like, and the only way I can describe it is like designed enough to have been important in a different version of the game. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, I, know, I haven't yeah. interacted with this person much, but someone clearly spent a lot of time making him. This person's <laughs> been mocapped. Yeah, exactly. So, but okay. And they then say like, do you know what happened in this battle? <laughs> oh God, yeah. And then, and then you watch a cutscene that's about five minutes long mm. about a battle that took place somewhere else. Uh, about with, but who, who it, it, so the battle takes place not in the, it, it didn't take place in the city that you are in. 
uh, it didn't take place involving any of the characters that you know. No. Um, but it does involve the villains and it's kind of how the, 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 the real villains are introduced. And, um, it's quite a cool cutscene, but it doesn't work because, you know, it's really well made, but it doesn't work because you're being told like this person went out and they died on the field that day, but you don't know who that is. You're introduced to them in the same sentence that they've gotten rid of. So it's just like, Oh, that's a shame. And, um, one character that you've like half met is functionally like turns out to be the protagonist of this cutscene and they're doing things. They see the villains. And there is also, in addition to dad dropping you off at the park, there is another Bioware tradition that is also extremely important, which is I've just seen an erudite but villainous man put his hand into a beam of light and now I'm asleep. <laughs> yes. That's like, that is also a firm bio tradition. Mm. And that always happens to the player character. That never happens to a rando. That is always you that sees the obelisk or whatever it is. And someone touches it and there's a flash of light and then you wake up and now you're you like, and that happens to this random other character who's otherwise just standing by a door like hello <laughs> and it feels like literally like hello i'm the protagonist from a previous version of anthem <laughs> right like and that whole cutscene, it has it's beat for beat the end of act one or maybe end of prologue uh bioware cutscene. it's it's like the destruction of the normandy or the destruction of haven in dragon age inquisition yeah or the uh the ostagar sequence in dragon age origins or uh like um fucking space station in kotor that you start on yeah the space station in kotor the that you start, you start on, on that blows up is, is yeah, and the end of spire in, in kotor right yeah they yeah. do this in every single game and the person it's always the protagonist and so i was just looking at it going like did you repurpose this from the version of the game where this was the end of the opening sequence right because it's the only thing that makes sense to me because it's such a weird moment otherwise because then because literally you fade out of that cutscene and it's like anyway that's what happened <laughs> But I guess this is your problem now. <laughs> you, a different person. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's just super, it's super weird to me. And I, like, I, I don't, they don't make a cutscene that lavish for anything else. Hmm. So why? Unless, is it? They also, <sighs> like, in, so in the opening sort of cutscene, they introduce, um, Faye and Halleck, who are just the two most interesting characters in the game. Yeah. And they're just really brilliant. One of them is Sandy Newton, right? Uh, yeah, they're brilliantly yeah. acted. Like the, the motion capture is amazing. I think they've just really kind of taken on board what people said about Andromeda and um, put a lot of resources into getting great motion capture for these cutscenes. Um, and then they um, they just yeah just sort of go away from the story for a bit, and then the story is completely crap until they come back. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and 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 uh, you know when they're back, there's momentum, the stakes because you actually care about them. They're you know you get a connection with the characters because they're well acted and, you know, well written and interesting. That's good. I didn't get that far. So yeah. Good. So it's, it, I, I think it's worth playing. For me, the final third, I quite enjoyed actually. Mm. It's faffs about for ages when it actually like gets the, you know, all, all the characters back together, it picks up a bit. And sure, it's still fi- sci-fi fantasy nonsense, but as, as long as there are characters I'm interested in, they're doing stuff, you know, I, I'm happy to put up with any old bollocks. Yeah, me uh, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, the, a lot of the missions, some of the side missions become really fun. Again, I think like the last sort of 40% of the story is way better than the first 60%. Mm. Uh, and even the side quests, the side characters kind of stuff happens to them. So to give the game its fair shake, there are character arcs in this game there are characters who learn things and change, you know, the stuff that, you know, makes stories happen. Uh, that actually, that all, all does happen in this game. Even there's a lot of, it's wrapped in a lot of sci-fi, sci-fi nonsense. Um, and that's kind of the thing that Destiny 1 really struggled with, where you didn't really get that kind of, you know, you couldn't latch onto any characters because it was just like the exo stranger who would appear and then disappear and everything's all mysterious and there's no real kind of sense of who anyone is or how, what yeah. they're going through. And this is the stuff that Destiny 2 corrects a little bit. Uh, and, uh, you know, that stuff is in 
uh, anthem story. Like he, it Good, is, yeah. it's actually a story and it's unsatisfying in a lot of ways, but it's, it's there. The DNA of like some cool bias by West stuff is there. And, um, right the way down to, uh, sort of like side characters who just like skip about 15 years of friendship while talking to you to just like break through loads of privacy barriers and just like straight up tell you what they're doing, like what their fucking deal is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a classifier thing. It's the thing in the system where two people come up to you and ask if they should have an abortion. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> uh, and there are a couple of things like that in Anthem as well. Like, I won't spoil what they are, but it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's always been, um, I want to say it's a flaw because it's, it's interesting, but it, the more realistic performances get, the more, for me, the more weird that is. <laughs> they just suddenly, like, you know, flomp their biggest personal problem on, at your lap. And, yeah, um, it, it, feels fun, it either feels far more awkwardly expository or, <laughs> yeah, or yeah. too personal. There's some classic, uh, I blame Far Cry 3 and Vars, uh, performance for this. There's some classic just kind of overreacting to sing, overacting to a single camera. Like yeah, over gesturing and really just kind of you know uh, theatrically moving around it as it pans. It's just it's like so stupid. Technology allowed characters to put like one leg up on, on a chair and <laughs> lean into you in like a couple of years ago, and that was like we weren't ready. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost too much. There's um, what's your uh, you, every pilot has like a cipher who's like a you kind of um the guy back at base who's in your ear radio a your nerd a nerd, the nerd yeah, one, yeah. Yeah. and uh it's You're a really really annoying british bloke in um anthem yeah and he like his it, it, i kind of admire the capture the motion capture yeah. and the, the gesture capture and the fact that they are obviously capturing a physical performance by an actor but it's so kind of like over like emotive with his the whole body is just flapping around the place and gesturing madly it's like just be a bit, a bit more naturalistic kind of performances it's, it's like, a really tricky like, thing because it's a man vibrating on the knife edge between alistair from dragon age <laughs> yes, much loved yeah. and uh danny wallace's character from assassin's creed yeah exactly. and he's like it's like, like oh it's like which way is he gonna go and <laughs> yeah. then like yeah and it's i found he i found that he's oscillated between mm. like oh that was quite a funny delivery yeah, or a nice yeah. wink or something because they they can do that now with the face tech <laughs> they can but uh but then occasionally it would go into oh no it's Wallace or whatever his name is. Yeah, all, uh, all the um, all the characters you interact with for any length of time are interesting eventually, which is a Bioware promise, I think. Yeah, that, exactly. they, they tend to. We will make you care. They tend to make good, <laughs> make good on eventually. Yeah, um, one way or the other. But I mean, it's still it's just like little moments in a long. Like it took me about like twenty three hours to get through the campaign, and you know that a lot of that was very slowly walking around Fort Tarsis, the hub, and having quite a lot of boring conversations with people about the fact they can't get any grain anymore <laughs> and stuff like that so it's not all gold out there anyway like, i'll, I'll climb into my gleaming chrome battle glove <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and go fight a man i can't see I think the, the idea is supposed to be that you're doing kind of community outreach because everyone hates the freelancers so you're supposed to be you know positive force and representing them and trying to bring them back to it doesn't make any fucking sense like there's not enough build up for it i also feel like the one fantasy word they couldn't make happen is the word freelancer yeah the way that game lands on the word freelancer because it's a real thing mm. like obviously guardians are real things but you can land on guardian because they kind of accept it as a freelance word mm. freelancers are like people who work in their pajamas that's <laughs> that's what that that means i i have done it for a long time it's, it's 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 that's what that means so when it's like and then there came the freelancers i, I, I can't <laughs> so, yeah. oh not those guys oh, nice. <laughs> they're also um they're called freelancers before the the major event happens that makes them this scattered band of people who have to take work yeah to get by which is again it's just narrative just a kind of weird narrative fuck up like 
they're the people who risk their lives to go out and shut down these anomalies and they're not called the champions or the guardians or anything like that they're called freelancers because that's what they eventually end up being after the cataclysm so yeah. it's like nominative, it's nominatively backwards that whole thing which is just again how the story <laughs> then came the independent contractors <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've had some real cowboys in here, they'd say, looking at the dissolution or whatever it's fucking called. <laughs> uh, the anthem's all fucked in here. You're going to need a new one. No oh, anthem. <laughs> it's a sad uh, story. We've, we've, it's a, it's, we've talked about it a lot, but I think we're going to end up talking about it a lot over the next year because it's going to be an ongoing story. Yeah. Whatever maybe happens. I will go back. Uh, Alex. Hi. Have you liked the thing you've played this week? Uh, Please say yes. Please say yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind oh. of. Oh, I, mean, no. I don't know. Well, I mean, I have not liked it. I've, I've been playing. <laughs> what is it? Let's start with that. I've been playing Ace Combat 7. Ooh. Ooh. Um, which From is. From climbing in a jet. So weird. Pretending to be a plane. It's, oh, it's so weird. So it's interesting to talk about story so much because, um, Ace Combat has a lot of story, like a shit lot of story. Yeah. Um, in fact, there seem to be at the moment two stories going on at once, which is quite uh ambitious for a game about planes um, <laughs> because i think that over the years i've steadily realized that it's really difficult to tell stories about planes <laughs> like i just a bit of background if life has taught you anything there's always i've i've um i've always been kind of weirdly fascinated by uh flight sims and and um flying games because probably because of a bit of what wish, because wish Sorry. fulfillment <laughs> probably a bit of wish fulfillment because uh, like the first one I played was fuck's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, I'm um, very sorry. Uh, like back, like the one of the first games I ever played was um was Spitfire um flight sim for the BBC. Mm. Um, so this was a wireframe game, and like I watched my uncle, and I could I didn't wasn't able to to to, to perform this myself, but he flew under a bridge in it, and like I thought. Oh my god! You know, 3D, incredible. This is yeah. what games should be, and like I was just amazed. And your, so I've always had that kind, kind of, of grenade roll down a hill moment with Uncle under a bridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my uncle under the bridge. But um, and then I kind of like I, I remember playing uh, stuff like um F14 Tomcat um mm. on three eight sixes and stuff like that and mm. you know again it's amazing and like back then like then you could red out and black out and things you know because it had physics in it except for they weren't but they like it was you know mm. it was a simulated environment so i've always had this kind of kind of fascination for them and like ace combat is gorgeous like it is like i always wanted that sort of seeing the world kind of below you and incredible looking clouds and and it's it's a, it's very much an arcade um uh, flight sim. I've not played any of the, any of these combats before. Now I think I played one on like briefly on com, on console like years ago. I don't know which one it was five or four or god knows what. So I don't really have much experience with the series, but like it's a very arcadey um flight you know flying game. So that you know you don't black out when you do incredible turns in your sort of F14. Um but uh uh, but it still has like realistic visuals, like the planes mm. look photorealistic a lot of the time. And there's like bits of kind of, uh, beautiful kind of, um, 
uh, sort of cloudy bits on the wings as you kind of scream mm. around, like doing banking and stuff like that. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, just going down, the, going down Lloyd's. And <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but over time, like I've realized, we like, played it on a uh, multiplayer. Yeah. <laughs> it's an online banking. <laughs> but like, I, I do know that like the levels, what you can do in any, any given kind of, um, flying kind of mission. There's not a lot you do. You go somewhere, you mm. fly somewhere. Flying is generally quite tedious. And mm. then you oh, shoot shit. down some stuff. <laughs> no, in general, like you just go somewhere. Like, right. you know, what, what yeah. can you do in a flying game? You fly from the start point to the place where you're meant to go. You have a little bit of a fight, mm. and then you maybe go somewhere else, and maybe you bomb a tank, and then you come, and then, then like mission <laughs> done. Like there's the, the number right, of yeah. verbs you have yeah, in yeah, a yeah. fucking flying game is not very high. That's why they need to be in space because then you can have obstacles floating about. Yeah, right? and like yeah. you can you can scan stuff in in like an X-wing yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, but this does a laudable job of kind of making extremely unbelievable things happen. But the problem is <laughs> that the the dogfights in it. Uh, are effectively you have, you're you're in a squadron of other um of other of other planes and they're meant to be on your side and they do a lot of fuck shit load of chatting they don't <laughs> shoot down a fucking thing <laughs> and so you're just oh fucking hell, I suppose I'll kill all these fucking t- drones or whatever the fuck I don't know they're all talking about Brexit and you're <laughs> shooting down yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yeah there's a lot of that um but like to to, to preface that though like there is this fucking story. The, the story opens with a young female uh, engineer telling the story of her with her gramps. Like she lives with her gramps because her dad was a pilot and he died in a war. And now she's with her gramps and they're fixing up planes on a, on a forgotten kind of, you know, one of those airplane graveyard places in, in a desert and she's fixing up planes and she learns and she fixes up this jet and she goes up. up. <laughs> And like, and it just goes on and on and on. You're going, how does this fit with the fact that, like, you know, did, am I going to be her? Like, is the plane that she's made, is that going to be that? And then you're in the first, then, then suddenly you're in this kind of incredibly, uh, militaristic sort of, like, war interface, like, off films and that, like, where there's, like, readouts, like, churning out text in the corner of the screen and circles going on. Clancy and, vision. And now it's proper Clancy vision, exactly. <laughs> and you're being briefed by a stern military man. Mm. And like, and then I don't think I'm her anymore because this doesn't sound like what Gramps would sound Gramps? like. Where have you gone? <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, and no, you're not. You're someone called Trigger and you're going to be just going off. Are you a horse? And a war has started here. <laughs> And a war has started <laughs> between, and I had to write this down because like, and I'm sure this is all part of the series, but holy shit, the, the names of places in this fucking game. So, and I don't even know what side I am. I don't know what the side of the bad guys are. <laughs> I don't know where anything is, but one side I think is called. As a horse might not. Eusia. <laughs> Another side is Erusia. And there's an ocean as well. Like an ocean might ocean, be on the like, side. Ocean. Like, are they doing like no, a- ocean. O-S-E-A-N. Oh, I ocean. I think that might be one of the sides. Ocean. And it's it just- might be Eurasia. Uh, that might Eur- be- Eurasia, Oceania. Now, so like, it took me maybe, it took me like quite a few long cutscenes before I realized that, oh, okay, right. So one side is meant to be the Yanks and like they've got, mm. they've got American sort of sounding names of things. And then the other side of this continent is like Europe. I don't know. Certainly 
that was kind of triggered by the fact that like there is I noted down two of the place names of where I've flown over. One of them is called Chopinburg or Chopinburg or Chopin. Yeah. Okay. Like okay. And Zapland. <laughs> Holy shit. land of lasers. <laughs> this is like, and obviously this is a Japanese game, but yeah. good lord, the names of places in this, like, it's almost wonderful. It's almost an art piece for like the sheer, like, insanity of the names. And I don't, it's really hard to follow who's shooting who, who what side you're a, meant to be on, and uh, what's going on. You've probably seen it. There's a wonderful, uh, I think it's from an 80s baseball game made in Japan where it's a list of like the generated American names for men. And it's the best thing ever. It's people called like Sleeve McDykel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, such a good, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's perfect in a way. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's better than, yeah. it's, it's better than getting it right. It is totally, it is totally in, in that kind of, um, in that culture. Um, and like you can see that somebody who, like it's been translated professionally mm. but they haven't been able to weed out all of the bizarreness like so one of the characters like the, the girl character uh this mechanic she says she gets imprisoned for some fucking reason because she made a jet and then <laughs> flew it around <laughs> it's not against the law to make a jet it probably it is probably. i don't know it's a military but actually she, it's because she's the war has started and i don't know oh fucking who <laughs> cares off. she gets sent to prison <laughs> The first line of the next power, of the next uh, cutscene uh, is just how penal is this penal colony? <laughs> just how penal is this colony? <laughs> how, just how penal is this penal colony? <laughs> Jesus Christ, who says that? This is this is the the mechanic oh, God. who gets captured. Jesus. Oh, wow. Okay. That's so, grim. Like, well, no, but it's, but it's, I don't think it's not it's intentional. It's yeah. not, it's I don't like, no, how, there's no, is there's it? no winking eye. Like, oh, this right. is like, this is just a straight up Whoops! <laughs> like, I don't what, know. Try to say just how prison is this prison? Yeah, is it more no, like that how, is what it's meant it, to be. You know, just how of a penalty is this penalty, right? <laughs> yeah, like is, is what they're how, trying to say, right? Like, yeah. how much am I being punished? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Okay. Fine. You can say that without saying the word penal. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like can you I, definitely, definitely should. can yeah. and should. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, like, uh, but it's also so that sets up the idea that kind of like this isn't you know it's a it's an arcade kind of um, fight sim, but also it's kind of mad what happens in it as well. So uh, the arsenal bird attacked me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and the arsenal bird, it turns out, is a giant, massive flying kind of thing with just basically just a wing. And out of it come all these drones that come and attack me. And then it takes... And it's one of those games where you go, oh, Christ, there's loads and loads of drones. It's going to say ages to shoot down. Because you have loads of missiles and you can be up there for years and years. Like, and you just... <laughs> Shoot down and shoot down and shoot down and shoot down, and, and your wing mate, wing friends are not doing anything, and like, mm. uh, but it's it's, <laughs> it's demoted them to wing friends. Wing friends, <laughs> they're not wing mates anymore. Well, because of a, a wing because of a, a, a thing that happens in the story, they're not my wing friends anymore. Oh no, oh no. So, um, but like, despite all of this, there's something. It's so gorgeous, and the feel of the flying is so good. I switched from the um, the basic uh, flight mode, which is where you kind of on the stick, you just go left and you fly left, and and so on. Mm. I changed that to the expert mode, whatever it is, which is you know you bank and then you you pull up to turn. Yeah, which I changed it to. Um, it's really sort of twitchy, and the planes are so beautifully sort of 
responsive that Ooh. that it's gorgeous and, and flying there's a structure in it oh uh, there's a wow what do they call it the space lift or something oh uh, like space elevator the space elevator <laughs> someone someone's built a fucking space, space elevator so we go there fuck yes we go there not into space unfortunately yet <laughs> maybe we do mm. in the future but like, you fly around the bottom of this space elevator and it's all cool. over superstructure and you know and it, you go an, a nice speed where you can make distance but you can also fly between things and around mm, things yeah. and shooting stuff on the ground while there's stuff flying above you uh, but the coolest thing about it actually is at the end where you get a full re two in fact full replays of what you did the first replay is actually <laughs> wow. in 3d like through the like a sort of a dramatic car- uh, camera sort of with you shooting shit down the explosions are awesome and it's very good at ensuring that when you blow stuff up it isn't miles away. Somehow it always keeps it close to you. <laughs> so you're often flying through the explosion after you've done it. And like, you can see the thing yeah. that's like mm. falling away. Mm. Like it's really good at dramatic moments and that yeah. you're going to go, Oh yes, that's yeah, nice. I mean- but the cooler thing actually is afterwards you go back into Clancy vision and then you see, uh, this replay of, uh, zoomed out with you as like just an, an arrow against a kind of a dark blue background with a kind of like a swooshy line behind you. And you can zoom out and you can just see your, where you went. Oh. So you know when you're doing, when you, you know when you're in a dog fight and you kind of think where I'm going is fucking random. Who knows where we've ended up after all that kind of twisting and turning. In here, like you actually see and you see that actually like that moment where you decided to take off, take out, or you noticed there's a plane that, you know, an enemy that had gone towards the thing you meant to be protecting and you zip back to get it and you got it and then you zoop back to where they were. Like it's in like, it's incredible space. The stuff's happening all over the place and, and you're moving around it. And that was something I always used to love in about um sort of X-Wing and TIE Fighter where mm. you go out to the map of the area and like it was 3D and you could see what, where stuff would you can make a plan as to what you should be doing next you know oh we've got to defend the bombers oh shit their bombers are going to attack our thing and you have to make a decision right shit i've got to book it over there you know um in this like it isn't quite as as apparent during play but it's so nice to see it after the event that it wasn't as sort of fucked up as random as you thought and like you can see the points you die and there's this really nice cross over the thing that you just shut down so it's it's like it's I don't think I'm going to play very much more of it, but like, you know, there's a lot of kind of pleasure in, in sort of facing what it's done so far. Oh, I might put that on my Steam wish list for a, mm. for a sale at some point. Oh yeah. Like, it, like yeah. Nice like when it comes up for sale, holiday. I would say go for it. If you have any interest in sort of bombing around and, and do, I think. And, yeah. I and it is gorgeous. Zachland loyalists. <laughs> and, uh, ideology, Zapland. whatever it may be. <laughs> oh, so good. And We've always that. been at war with Zapland. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, you've, you saw me on it, even though like it sounds tedious and then you. Oh, yeah, like oh, and it's also it's it's a game also like where you can instantly die mm. because you didn't realize how close you were to the ground and you decided yeah. to do a you know to get out of the way of a of a because it, you're being shot at all the time and you can dodge stuff but you know that means a bit of aeronautics and the, and I have died a lot now and the checkpoints are not friendly. Right? Mm. <laughs> can you eject? Uh, maybe I don't see why that would help. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I always <laughs> I'd live the rest of my life. Got <laughs> <laughs> to live my story in the desert, building uh, jets out of scrap. <laughs> no, I, I asked because I've uh, told this story on the um, Peace Game podcast many years ago. But like one of my f- earliest gaming memories was with a flight sim. It was like an early F sixteen 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 3D, it was polygonal. Um, yeah. Was but, it filled in, filled in 3D? It was filled in 3D. Cool. Uh, but the cities were just 2D maps, yeah. just kind of on the flat. Yeah. Um, but my cousin, like, the, they had like, it was in the era where you had like, perhaps if you're lucky, a family PC in the hall, you know, those yeah, communal yeah. thing. And, uh, my cousin went until like people were in a different room and said, watch this. And, uh, he boosted up this game and it was, you know, mind blowing graphics at the time. It was incredible. The sense of, you know, being in a 3D space and flying a plane. And it always seemed real in my kind of childish imagination. And then he flew really close to the ground and then he flipped the plane upside down. Oh yeah. And yeah. then, and then he ejected directly downwards <laughs> into the map and it left like a little stain and i was like yes <laughs> i love was, video games forever now that was so good. <laughs> everyone's got their uncle under a bridge moment <laughs> yeah i think so yeah the answer was upside down cousin ejection it was that's my origin story that's my pc gaming origin story what's yours chris i think i just i mean i have quite the same experiences as well but mine was like the like the sort of the 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 lonely detonation of a distant mig like <laughs> in like f14 or something like that like uh, i don't really have any kind of like interpersonal i don't think anyone ever sort of you know you know no took one me by the shoulder no. and said like and now i will show you all, you know one day all of this can be yours simba to go back to the lion king for some <laughs> reason <laughs> like it was very much something i discovered by myself and i couldn't really do uh, yeah, they're, yeah. They're not, yeah. Nobody could play any of those games. Yeah, no. I, uh, I think I my most powerful memory is the abiding memory of what an achievement simply making it react to me was. Mm. So, like, oh, I've taxied, me, you know, <laughs> mm. like, you know, oh, you know, maybe the three times I ever took off, and then, yeah, yeah realizing that the appropriate engagement range. You, you're right. Moving those ex- explosions closer to the player is a good idea. Mm. Like even getting they a little bit better like and more adept with them and realizing that, like, oh, planes don't fight like in Star Wars, the film. I like no. they fight from six miles away from each other, and mm. um, in a realistic military sim, it's like you know you fire a missile from six miles away, and someone's like, oh, this is That's a game sufficient. Where you, Come home. You could, you <laughs> could shoot down other planes with your with your machine gun right. thing. You can totally do that it's not just like that's the missiles. measure of this thing like yeah i was yeah. always like with with like f16 f14 all those games they had mini guns or whatever you mm. know like guns on them god knows why <laughs> <laughs> i've only ever seen another plane as a pixel <laughs> like, <laughs> what? how does anybody shoot that i was always fascinated by microsoft flight simulator as well which was a kind of like really not quite like you couldn't train someone with it but it had that air of being almost like an an instruction manual for how to actually fly a Boeing 767 or something. My dad loves planes and is always, has like model plane collections and has always loved planes. Um, and that was always like a fascinating series for me that you'd fly over and be like, Oh, there's the Eiffel Tower. Mm. And it was like five polygons, but it's like, Oh my God. I'm there. I'm, tra- I'm there. Yeah. I feel like I've traveled all this distance and yeah. uh, they have beautifully modeled dashboards and all the dials and all the flicks and switches above you. And, um, that, that's kind of like faded away. I guess there, there are still brilliant sim games, but I really miss flight sims and proper. Mm. commercial commercial air space flight sims yeah there's like i think it's the balance of utter like photo real nerdery mm. like you know rivet, rivet for rivet nerdery and a bit of drama where you can eject it into the into the ground <laughs> as well yeah or try and do a loop i think loop. i think yeah for me the, the the those military sims were always like a great simulation of like being really bad at being in the army like the illicit thrill of not just not being very good at being in the army at all <laughs> having had no training <laughs> indeed <laughs> Shall we do questions from questions? 
Yes. Mm. Mm. Yes. Well, actually, the answer is no. Oh. (laughs) At least for now, Uh because Uh I wanted to take a moment um, to return to a very good question um, we received on the last episode of the podcast. All three of us were there. um, And that I've not been able to get out of my head for a week. And that question is, Rich or Garfield? (laughs) (laughs) And I appreciate the last week we approached this in in a way that we expected. Would you rather be Rich or Garfield? This week, I want to take a different tack Mm. as we approach round two. Of Richard Garfield. Richard Garfield. You see, I, I didn't realise, it's probably quite obvious to people, I don't know anything about Garfield, I didn't realise that Garfield's owner was called Rich. Is that true? He's not. Is, no, he's called it? John. Oh, I've invented a completely different metaphor in my head since that podcast <laughs> happened around Garfield. Maybe Sorry, that's I didn't Marmadukes? Is that Marmadukes? I don't owner? know. I mean, uh, who can say? A no anyway. one. So in this, um, Tom won last week's round of Rich or Garfield. Did I? Um, by invoking Richard Garfield, right. which is, is how this ends. Um, this week, a different rule set. It's like Mornington Crescent, where the first person to say, <laughs> yeah. Richard Garfield wins. <laughs> yeah. Um, this week, uh, I'm going to uh, have you two um, go head to head in another round Ooh. of Rich or Garfield. Okay. I'm going to read to you some quotations. These are either quotations from Garfield <laughs> or Richard Garfield <laughs> or, or the, one of the world's wealthiest men. <laughs> Is this quotation from someone rich or is it from Garfield? I'm going to start off. Yes. Okay. Yes. Are you ready? Quiz time. We're going to start off uh, with a little nice little easy one. Do we we buzz in or are you asking? Well, I'm going to get your both, get your your both both answers from both of you and then I will, uh, I will say who's right. Why don't you say what Alex says? Well, you both get a point. That's mutual destruction. (laughs) I can't believe you're criticising this game. No, let's do it, let's you. do it. It's Chris Simon and Crank Crowbar, let's do it. Uh, okay, quote one. I love lasagna. Oh, uh, is that Bill Gates? Tom? Uh, I'm going to go Garfield. It's Garfield. <laughs> yes! <laughs> That's a point for Tom Senior. How about this? Who said, I'm not known for my compassion? <laughs> Elon Musk. Uh, some really bad American mu- newspaper magnate in the 1930s. <laughs> that was Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Senior leads one point ahead. Okay. Next, who said, a lot of people think the great outdoors is the area between your front door and a taxi. That's got to be Garfield. I mean, I'm going to go Garfield as well, for sure. That's Michael Bloomberg. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Tom, Tom leads by a solitary point. <laughs> and only because Alex decided to throw the obvious one in the bin. <laughs> this is actually um, still considerably more exciting than Super Bowl this year, so I think we're doing quite well. <laughs> All right. Who said, life's not fair, get used to it. Oh, 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 that, that's like, I think that's a Musk or someone like that, isn't it? Um, I'm going to need a name, Alex. Get used to it, get used to it. Who's someone, oh, this rings a real bell. Get used to it. I, I, oh, uh, is it uh, Bezos? I'm going Bezos, Bezos, Tom, your answer? Um, I'm going to say Garfield. That's Bill Gates. He seemed, he's meant to be a nice, nice guy. nice one. Well, he's just the vaccines and saves people. Every, the world is getting better day by day, and here's the vaccine. Life's shit, get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Life's not fair, get used to it, Bill Gates. Okay, okay. Who said, let's, uh, so that's uh, just towards one point <laughs> to Tom. Who said... If you're patient and wait long enough, nothing will happen. I think that's 
That's Garfield in a in a philosophical moment. Tom, if you're patient and you wait long enough, nothing will happen. Mm. It does sound a bit like a hungry entrepreneur it does, doesn't kind it? of line, doesn't it? Yeah, to make things happen. Go and go and take take that opportunity. Going to need final answers from both of you. Um can I just say just a Gennaro Rich? You're gonna go for Rich. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. We make things a little bit easier. It's acceptable to say Rich or Garfield. I think that's respectful. Oh, okay. So you don't have to come with the person. Right. Yeah. I mean, if right. you, I'll give you if an extra you... point. Oh. If you get the person. How about that? Okay. Okay. How about okay. that? We're designing the game on the fly. Bonus round. Alex, your choice? I'm going Garfield because I, because I think I see the way your mind works. I'm going to go with uh, Rich. That's Garfield. Not... Yeah. <laughs> it's even Stevens. <laughs> one, one all. Next. Who said it's better to hang out with people better than you? Rich. Rich. Because that feels like, so like, hum, like a very, very humble brag. I also feel like Alex has just tuned on, onto Chris's wavelength and I'm piggybacking off on <laughs> right, that. Okay. Uh, let's try and Does anyone that. want to try and uh, escalate is. onto a name? Uh, I don't like this person. Am I, would I be right not to like this person? <laughs> I'm going to shrug. Okay. Don't know. What's the word again? It's better to hang out with people better than you. Ken Levine. <laughs> it's Warren Buffett. But you both you both get a point for Rich. So two all now. Sorry again. Next. We enter the, 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 the dying hours of Rich or Garfield. Mm. As I ask, who said the meek shall inherit squat? <laughs> Dilbert. <laughs> I think... I think that following, following a a, a, a quite anxiety-producing uh, incident with Bill uh, Oddy, not Bill Oddy, Bill, Bill, Bill Oddy, <laughs> his pet dog, that ruthless, ruthless capitalist, Bill so, Oddy. Is your answer Bill Oddy? <laughs> yeah. Bill Oddy or Dilbert? The answer is Garfield. I, <laughs> That's where I was going, but then I thought I wanted to say the <laughs> okay, lobby. Fine. All right. Moving on. Who said, I'm a big fan of all you can eat plans? Oh, fuck. It's Garfield up in all over this shop. Two votes for Garfield? Garfield. That's Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Good Lord. I didn't realise that Garfield had um, such range <laughs> i didn't realize how easy this quiz was going to be to produce <laughs> all right penultimate question uh we're still drawn to all i believe so this is this matters now if it didn't matter before <laughs> who said the most active thing about me is my imagination i think that that's garfield and he's lying down in his bed and he's done nothing all day but he's trying to you know suggest that 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 he's more active than, than, than tom um Snoopy. Um, I'll take it seriously. It's Garfield. Alex is ahead. Oh, shit. Three for two. Damn All right. Crap. You got one chance to pull this back to a draw. Okay. And even win. If you can. If I get, get it right. The, if you get it. That's right, just right, it is right. a rich man. Or well. Or I mean, woman. Yeah. Who said things don't turn up in this world until somebody turns them up? Hmm. Hmm. That is a rich person stepping on the head of a homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> turning them over and taking the shiny penny. So you're going for Rich? Yeah, their splayed body. Going to get a name? No. Okay. <laughs> Tom. 
Uh, what was the quote again, sorry? Things don't turn up in this world until somebody turns them up. Could totally be Garfield, though. I mean, yeah. He's found something underneath. He's a kind of of chameleonic figure, apparently. You could be any, any ultra rich. Hmm. Things don't, until you turn them up. Some sort of. He's talking about John's shoes, maybe? Or no? (laughs) Stop helping Tom, Alex. He's got a, he's got got one chance. I've got a, I've got a punt for Rich and name a name just Mm -hmm. to have a chance of, of getting ahead. So it's going to be Rich. And it's gonna be Nigel Farage. <laughs> the answer is US President James Garfield. Oh. <laughs> the answer was Rich and Garfield. Oh. Good one. Good finish. But that's Alex Winnett. How long did you look for uh, quotes from Richard Garfield? <laughs> <laughs> there aren't very many. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for playing. Uh, Richard Garfield, I mean, Richard Garfield. What do I, what do I win? <laughs> um, you win, uh, uh and I'll, I'll buy you a copy of Artifact. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, well, it's, it's one all now. Tom's won a game of Richard Garfield. That's Alex true. has won a yeah, game of Richard Garfield. We need a third round at some point. Yeah. Apparently. Maybe. Shit. <laughs> You've got a week to come Good. up with a new reflection. Yeah. Thank you for indulging me as we embarked on. On this new journey in podcasting, um, we will now do questions that re- readers have sent, <coughs> listeners have written. David writes, I have a meta question for you. Just how long after these ask us a question tweets do we have to get our question in before we've missed that week's episode boat? Well, the answer is kind of doesn't matter when you tweet us. We tend to put the tweet out for questions if we're running low on questions and mm. this tops up the hopper. Um, and then we go through the hopper and decide which ones we feel like we can answer, basically. The fruity yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere between 9 and 10 p.m. on the given day of recording. Which, sort of which varies. Generally a Wednesday. Which though. could be, generally, but it could be, who knows. It could um, be a Tuesday. Yeah, we just even them up. Uh, so <laughs> the answer is good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and the main guidance for questions that tend to work is... is Obviously, <laughs> if it's stuff we've been asked a lot, and we always get questions we've been asked a lot, and it's because people don't realise we've been asked a lot, and mm. that... It's obviously not your fault, but it happens. Um, but the other thing is just keeping it short and dumb. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good guide. Uh, next, Myrtle writes, In a past episode, Chris talked about how Bungie made great skybox scenes, usually big ships hovering in the sky in both destinies. What are your favourite screenshot moments from games that give you an amazing skybox or stationary background scene? May fi- m- m- start, start again. My faves come from The New Order. Uh, Uncharted comes directly to mind because mm. they are good at jungle, distant jungles. Mm. But I'm wondering whether, like, the, the skybox is becoming a bit of a dying art because, because games are so kind of freewheeling and expansive and you can generally kind of walk off up the mountain in the distance. It's a sort of regular thing these days. Yeah, Todd Howard killed the skybox. Yeah. You have to have an edge though, don't There's got to be edges to the world <laughs> and something beyond that, like, you know, mm, Anthem runs up into this as well. Yeah. Um, some of my favourite skyboxes actually were, uh, so, uh, what's the map called in Unreal Tournament? Facing I was going to say this. I was facing worlds, yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's got uh, the earth just stretched out below you, which is obviously just a big 2D skybox. Mm. And, 
th- those the skyboxes were super effective in those days when you couldn't render a huge amount of 3D geometry, giving you a sense of scale and space. And it was almost more meaningful then than it is now. Yeah. Where it's so blase. Mm. That was the answer I was going to say. Oh. So, good. <laughs> <laughs> Next question comes from uh, Alistair, who writes... Best opening to a game. For me, nothing has ever beaten the music and panning camera of the original Homeworld. Tom's having a big drink. Yep. Homeworld's a, a great shout. I love the, I love the start of Mass Effect 2. Mm. Uh, the um, bit with Normandy. Spoilers for Mass Effect 2, but this beautiful ship that you've kind of gotten to know over the course of the first game and it's kind of part of your team and it's where it's, it's your it's where your family lives and it just gets brutally shattered and there's a brilliant moment where you're walking in your spacesuit through uh through the normandy that you recognize so well and it's got giant holes on the side because lasers have been through it and it, everything's just turbo screwed and um it's that the moment of despair that happens right at the start of the game and you know you're gonna get to build it back up but for me it's quite an emotional like yeah a really emotional gut punch to have that open mass effect to. i think for me it's bayonetta one Oh, uh, yeah. which is oh, a game that has yeah. nothing like well it's, it's non-stop amazing like just brilliant the entire way through but it has both one of the best openings and one of the best endings because hmm. it opens like it doesn't really stop opening that's its secret like you know the, the lord of the rings problem is won't stop ending whereas bayonetta won't stop doing like pre-credits amazing sequences hmm. so like you fall out of the sky towards the ground while fighting angels in slow motion on big ben then you are dancing through a graveyard after a man has a big piss on the game director's <laughs> grave. <laughs> yeah. Then yeah, you're in a car when time stops as a huge carry, like cargo plane crashes hmm. full of monks, crashes into a highway, and you have to fight your wife? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. It's very, very good. And yeah, no, it's just, it's, yeah, I don't think there's any question for me. Yeah, that's- Good. Alex? I've gone completely blank. Good. (laughs) (laughs) I'll relieve you of this pressure by talking about Rob, who writes, Are there games slash genres where you prefer the experience of bumbling around, not really understanding the underlying underlying mechanics, to the point of losing interest the more you understand? I always like Civ games the best when I'm playing like a permanently surprised baby. (laughs) I actually... I actually think that that captures my attitude to most complicated games. (laughs) (laughs) I've been, um. Oh, why is this like this? I've been, I've been tinkering around in, um, uh, Dwarf Fortress, uh, for the, like, the first serious time. Yeah. Ever, or uh, over the last few weeks. And, um, like, I've tried it multiple times in the past. And, um, it's only since, and I had, but I hadn't actually played it since, uh, playing, uh, Rimworld, which obviously takes almost all of what Dwarf Fortress kind of, you know, how it works and, and makes it into a very visual graphic and, mm. you know, basically makes it readable. Um, uh, and with that understanding, I realized I sort of basically, oh, I do understand exactly how Dwarf Fortress works. Um, um, I just need to get through the interface and I have been and I've, I've been having fun. Um, and, but I'm kind of nervous of the moment where I do understand enough mm. that I, there is, there is a moment for me in the games where, like complicated games, where when I understand enough, I can see how much I'm expected to do and how much I sort of, like my own creativity needs to go into it and that, the investment that it all requires. And I tend to, because I'm a lazy, good for nothing, I um, 
tend to kind of get a bit frightened by that and, and switch off. And I'm wondering as and you know, when and if that's going to happen with Dwarf Fortress. Mm. At the moment, it's been fun, but like it's dizzying depths. I don't know. And I, and I suppose also there's an element where like Dwarf Fortress is always sort of, uh, exciting for the stories, the crazy stories that would come out of it. Um, and these strange names and things. And now I've been playing it. I can see that all the names are the same, like Boat Turned and, you know, those strange places that the kind of classic stories have kind of been set in and like, oh, okay, I can see the algorithm now mm-hmm. and, you know, the slight bit of the magic has gone. I'm just hope that it, I, I'm sure it will come back, but yeah, or maybe I'll talk about it more in coming. Mm. I think I get this a little bit with competitive multiplayer games that I get into where I really, in, in any context, I really enjoy the period of like, I'm learning this for myself and figuring out what's good and, developing strategies and i'm always a little bit afraid of the shouty eight things you need to know to be good at apex legends mm-hmm. or whatever youtube videos because i know i need to watch them because the aggregate experience and wisdom of people who are better than me is how i ultimately learn but if i watch them and find out that the way you play that is good is not how i like playing then i can never escape the sort of um a risk you know i get trapped in like wanting to play like me and wanting to do better and knowing that there's a different way and I don't want to do it. And that sort of uh, scrub frustration as a, a band of um, thinking would put it um, can actually kill the game for me. But like I had the happy experience of the other day of watching something like that about apex legends and actually being more excited to play it. Cause I discovered a bunch of things I didn't know you could do having discovered things previously. Hmm. And so it can, you know, it can, it can go the other way as well, but there's definitely sometimes one of those moments where you're like, I enjoyed this more when I thought I understood it rather than did <laughs> yeah that's really true i um not with dwarf fortress but i get this with forex games where there's you know a thin veneer of fantasy over a lot of number crunching in forex games and as soon as you learn in, as soon as you sort of like figure out what the games really wants from you and you realize that you know queen victoria doesn't really give a shit about hmm. how you run your society but whether this number is actually where it should be for this type of Sift to like you, hmm. then it shatters the whole fantasy and kind of breaks it. So I think sk- skirting along the surface in a lot of games is actually the way they are designed to be played. I'm sure the designers don't want you to see the whole thing as a purely number crunching exercise. There's mm. a fantasy mm. they've built around it that they want you to engage with and the numbers facilitate that. Um, so yeah, I'd certainly get that with turn-based strategy games, that kind of thing. Hmm. Our next question comes from uh, Benjamin who writes, Oh no! Two games have swapped art styles. One of them has been vastly improved and the other has been horribly diminished. What games could I be talking about? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> so I'm going to posit Darkest Dungeon and Slay the Spire. <laughs> I think that's how you make Slay the Spire amazing. Kill <laughs> yes. Darkest Dungeon. No, that's a, really good, that's a good shout. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Although I've, I've grown very fond of uh, Slay the Spire's funny little men. Mm. But they wouldn't be appropriate for no. underground horror time. Dup, 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 dup. Dup, dup, dup. Hmm. It's like Borderlands 2 and Mass Effect. Hmm. I guess uh, you could pick a lot of art styles that just jar a little bit. I don't know. I don't, I don't believe that, actually. No, that's a bad answer. Hmm. Because I, I don't want to see Mass Effect in Borderlands art style. <laughs> that would be horrible. <laughs> horrible. Project Cars and Mario Kart Deluxe. <laughs> a good part project cars would be after that i think that's how you get me to play project cars yeah. <laughs> i just like seeing 
Mario going around, every bit of stubble on his face as he kind of screams <laughs> around. <laughs> it's kind of like oil slicked, kind of. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Madden 19 and Blood Bowl. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to like reach, uh, find two games of different genres where it would have this kind of mm. interesting effect. Um. Dear Esther and Yoshi's Woolly World. <laughs> Which game would be elevated? I think both. Maybe it's just better for everyone. <laughs> better for everyone. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I really desperately want that to exist now. Yeah. Uh, Tekken 7 and Xenoclash. Ooh, that's actually, that's, uh, that'd actually be rad. Yeah, I think. I don't think that ruins, I think that ruins Xenoclash Clash pretty badly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think this game, this benefits from, this benefits games have a good art style. Cause, you know. Mm, yeah. Like. It's not their appeal. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Broken Sword 2 and Unreal Tournament. <laughs> 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 oh, I really, oh, I really want to play that. I'll play both of those games. That's the thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so, like, uh, I don't know which one is George uh, Stobart in Paris shooting the shit out of someone with a grenade launcher is, yeah, is a thing I'd yeah, like to see. Yeah, that's great. Really hopping about. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, that's very good. I'm not, yeah, no, let's, let's move on. <laughs> can, we can sit and think about that. Good correctly. question. Thank you. Very good question. Ellie writes, I'm a civ bore. I've been enjoying the new expansion which threads ecological concerns and climate change into R4X. Where else have people smuggled bits of science and enlightenment into games? And what's your fave? He kind of resisted, but, but Zach Bath games, Zachtronics games, mm. kind of like. They always teach you something. Yeah. Kind but, of. I mean, like, you know, they play fast and loose. They are a setting. Yeah. Science is a setting rather than a than an encyclopedia in them but like i think if you want to understand what programming is i think you can, yeah if you understand things about chemistry hmm i mean i can't say that kerbal spacecraft spacecraft kerbal spacecraft <laughs> you can't no, say that, that. You can't say that because it, doesn't, because it does not exist, exist. uh kerbal space program doesn't sneak science in it is a game about science and, yeah uh that's one of the reasons why it's brilliant i think um i think I mean, this is maybe an obvious answer, but the thing people always return to is the drill sergeant conversation from Mass Effect 2. <laughs> that the person explaining why you don't fire a gun in space. Mm. Um, and, you know, because it eventually it will hit something. And so every time you fire a gun in space, you are deciding to break something somewhere eventually. Yeah. Are you okay with that? It's a really nice, like it's a little side conversation in, in that game, but it's a really nice bit of sort of observational sci-fi writing. Mm. Um and actually, I think uh, I saw people complain that so the very end of Mass Effect Three, not really a spoiler. There's a lot of space guns being fired at a planet. <laughs> yeah. Well, at things that are in front of a planet. And I saw some people complaining that this is like completely contrary to what that person says. But actually, I think that's deliberate. I think it's almost a reference to that conversation. It's mm. like this is how it's, it becomes a way of illustrating how desperate things are. Yeah. That like you attack from the bad angle, not the angle where bullets whiz off into space, but from the angle where you end up hitting the planet you're trying to save. Mm. Because that's how bad things are. The only way. When the space crabs arrive. When the space crabs <laughs> arrive. <laughs> the turbo, the turbo space crab. <laughs> Kerbal space crab program. Gone wrong. I am, I've be been watching uh, the Expanse series three. Oh yeah. And, um, 
I've been quite nervous about the number of bullets that, that are fired by the one of the one of the um, spaceships. They're all about the, their flak cannons, aren't they? And shooting all sorts of stuff into kinetic. space, at very high velocity. Oh dear! No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we necessarily got towards like a, a worthy uh, mm. cause there, really, but that's harder to find, I think. So much so that we failed. <laughs> John writes, Dear Great and Subpar, I heard you guys like Swap 4, as do I. It still holds up after all these years. What happened to that genre? The slowish, deadly, single-player tactical shooter that rewards planning and thinking instead of just reflexes. Will games like this ever come back? Are they still being made and played in some corner of Steam? Love the podcast. John. Um... I think there are multiple things like Intruder, which have a bit of this, but also really wonky physics and falling over. Yeah, there are definitely indie things that are doing it. Mm. Um, the names escape me. But there are, I think there are a couple. What's the one where you, you actually plan the heist with your team, drawing stuff on a map just in the first part of the, the heist, and then the new you uh, enact is, it? Is this a new game or an old a, one? A, a new indie game. Yeah, cause it used to be I don't like, think it's come out yet. The very old Rainbow Six games used to... Be exactly yeah. like that, right, where you, right, right. you draw like brutes in, and a lot of it was commanding AI that would not do what the fuck he said at all. As it was like they, those games were totally broken in mm. lots of ways, but the fantasy was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah I actually can't think of a modern example of this. Mm. Right, and if you know one, we can read it out yeah. next week. Yeah. But, hmm. But yeah, no, I think there's something. I think it's again that simulationist thing of like, um, games have found ways of getting you to that experience faster but th- that was a really specific way of using mm. shooter dynamics to make you think like all of the kind of breaching clear games i can think of now are strategy games like frozen synapse yeah yeah but no in terms of the extremely tense high lethality first person bad men in a three-story building genre no Mm. Like even the um, the Rainbow Six games that uh, like New Vegas was it New Vegas? No, yeah, Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was called Vegas. It was just Vegas. Vegas. It was just yeah. Vegas. It was a not wasn't a Fallout game. A New Vegas, um, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like those games. Even though they didn't have the kind of planning phase, they were super, really fun co-op experiences. Like the, the whole co-op campaign yeah. where you you breach a room and. You put, someone put a little scanner under it and kind of count people and mark them and then you'd reach from an unexpected, unexpected angle, you'd pick your targets. Yeah, that's, that's kind of mm. gone away, hasn't it? It's, um, that, yeah. that's a really fun co-op, co-op experience. Well, I guess Siege has been sort of like a bit of a, yeah, sort of a, a hyper fast paced kind because, of yeah, that is, that. It is still the game of <clears throat> breaching and clearing, but, but it's, it's very kind yeah. of reactions based, you know, <clears throat> it's very tactical, but very reactions based. Also, it's the sole player, you're not in control of the entire. Uh, squad or yeah. you know making those plans or anything yeah unless you're just very bossy <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to play that type of game again mm. i like those uh sean writes hello is it worth it to get a ticket to the 2019 game baftas despite not being a game developer in the industry or, but just someone with a free thursday i don't really know what to expect if i do go i just think it might be a fun experience cheers um uh, probably not <laughs> alex i would say no like, I don't know what, uh, the sort of... No, I've never been to the BAFTAs, I'm not sure. It's a dinner. It's, like. it's just a, is it, is it, it's a dinner and then you watch people announce... Awards and... Awards announce, and people go up and, and do a little speech. It's like... Yeah, it's yeah. one of those. And also, you know, I, I, I didn't know there was a public component to it. I wasn't aware if there was a public component to it either. But if there is, and this is a big if, 
Um, I think, you know, if you went with, you know, some friends or your partner or somebody and, you know, it was just a sort of dinner and seeing people you might know from the video games industry walking up on stage to collect things, that could be fun. Well, I guess. But it's yeah. not like, there's not, you know, and it, I think it's a, it's a very high quality awards show, but it's, it is that. And, and the awards shows tend to be sort of for the people in the room, um, mm. to some extent, right? It's a celebration of those people and, and a chance for those people to catch up with peers and things. So. Yeah, I don't think the BAFTA awards are a place where games get announced or anything like that. No. So it's not that type of event. No, but nor is it that. sort of, nor is it necessarily somewhere where you're going to go and necessarily like get to, to meet people. Cause mm. it really is just, you know, it's, it's, uh, nobody's there in work mode, mm. right? Where it's like, mm. it's not like a, uh, you know, uh, something like Rezd, say, where you might go, chat to a developer after a Q&A or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very it's much people are in event. their leisure time going to an awards show and, and hanging out with peers and friends. So it's, exactly. I don't think it's really, it wouldn't be necessarily a fun thing from a no. public point of view, unless you were just there for the dinner. I don't even want to go. <laughs> anyway, I've never actually been. I've judged it quite a few times. Mm. Can't be fun As in you've go. been a judge, not you've just yeah, judged been, like, <laughs> just That was like, a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it seems like a really nice event. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I mean, when, when we're saying probably don't go to the BAFTAs, it's not because the, I think the BAFTAs are very good. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's a, yeah. Like, I, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Just quite like a duck. Yeah. Just quite like a duck. Um, our final question comes from Ben, who writes, Good afternoon, folks. I've recently started listening to the CNC podcast, and I'm already a big fan. I chat all things video games with a fairly diverse crew of mostly older, late 40s, late 30s, early 40s people. And while we approach games from many different angles, one thing we all completely agree on is that every single online shooter game would be vastly improved by removing all scopes. Having to actually be under threat when you're engaging someone, as opposed to just clicking on them from halfway across the map, feels like it'd be a vastly different play experience, and for our group in particular, would only improve things. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Ben from Australia. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I disagree, but I agree with the problem. But yeah. I think it can be solved while retaining variable engagement ranges so the first thought i had was this is why world war ii games are good because yeah. you've got weaponry which is inherently less scopy hmm. with some scopies to give a bit of variety <laughs> second thought i thought is um, scopies is uh, destiny because hmm. because it has a number of de- scopy guns but like most guns are fairly short range also the pvp maps on destiny are not large enough for scopes yeah. to be like your sight lines are very threat. controlled. You know if you're going into the bad corridor. Yes, exactly. Like it's kind of yeah, your fault yeah. for going into the very long corridor. You know what to expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and go up with a shotgun and deal with it. Yeah. So <laughs> a different think, angle. And you meant, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I think um, I, I agree with the problem, particularly in, in like things like PUBG, where you can get the you hear the crack of a KAR rifle from miles away, and mm. your game is over. Battlefield as well. Um, Battlefield, like the people try and get around it with like Battlefield uh, Five gets tries to get around it with the now time on a tradition like scope glint where if you're aiming a sniper scope you may as well have like like a fucking like semaphore light on the front of your gun yeah yeah <laughs> um but um the game that i've been playing recently that i think um includes this in its design handles it extremely well is apex legends and um because it absolutely has very long range guns it has very very long view distance and you can see people mm. from effing miles away um, it also has quite, uh, but it handles it in a few interesting ways. One is that it has quite, um, 
uh, aggressive bullet drop. So simply landing a shot from very far away is an enormously skilled and often lucky thing. Mm. So that's a thing introduced immediately. It's hard, which is means you should be rewarded for pulling it off. It means you can't reliably, you know, it's not like a hit scan gun where you can reliably kind of like yeah. pick away, pick away at someone. And guns have different, both um, bullet drop is, I think I've said this on the pod, relayed to you sort of perfectly in the scope, mm. but bullet velocity isn't. So that's a sort of, you know, there's all these things to learn. That's good. Second thing that makes it work is that one of the things you will loot immediately, if you can in Apex Legends, is an overshield. And, and almost everyone has an overshield of some kind or another, hmm. which means that I don't believe it's ever possible to be one-shotted by a sniper shot. Like, I have managed to pull off, like, a serious sniper shot, like, once in, like, 50 hours of playing that game. Like, where I've actually downed someone. Hmm. And it's because they'd already taken fire, and they had stopped to heal, and they didn't know I was there. And I had the opportunity to set up the shot and I landed the shot and I hit them in the head and then they were down, not out. And that brings me to the other thing, which is that you're really fast when you're down and you, you have a shield. You can have a shield that you can pull up to cover most of your body, yeah. which means it's actually really, really hard to kill someone with a sniper rifle unless they're already down and not protecting themselves and not moving or, um, you know, like, or they're the last person on their team and therefore they die immediately when they're down. You know, you can get sniped and it's really bad, but you can then kind of crawl around a corner. And then there's the fact that um, because Apex is this game of like corridors and arenas and complicated kind of multi-level environments, often um, a- an engagement is built. Uh, the thing I really love about that game, and I think it's really great at, is um, the, one of the most important things. There's a lot of like trying to like clutch a fight with just being very good at Twitch shooting at close range. But all fights eventually collapse to close range. But so much is decided by the opening shot because, or whatever your plan for engagement is, because not just because it allows you to do damage before the opponent can react, but because it's what reveals your position to literally everybody else. You can hear people from fucking miles away in that game. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And the sound, the sound design is incredible. So if your team decides to sit and take sort of, for all the reasons I've just outlined, slightly ineffective sniper shots from miles away, you are not just failing to do damage. You're probably actively reducing your chances of winning the game hmm. because literally everybody knows where you are. Everybody knows where you are. And if the team, like, you know, I've been in situations where we've realized if we don't shoot back, okay, we got took a couple of hits and we've had to go heal. But if we don't shoot back, the people who are trying to snipe us will be absolutely murdered by the other five remaining teams. Hmm. And we're fine because it's revive each other. Yeah, yeah, we'll, just, we'll just revive each other, get back up. As long as we don't shoot, hmm. we haven't revealed ourselves. Like that, I, I think all of that stuff and sniping is still good because being able to do damage to people from very far away is good. But all of those factors, I think, make it a really interesting option rather than just just being better than mm. the alternative. Sorry, I've just spoken for like five minutes on why being far away is interesting, but that's like I think that's how you balance <laughs> sniping, and I think that's how you make it work in the big sandbox yeah. combat FPS. Uh, yeah. Also, when you can slide on your bum very, 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 very fast. And, uh, that makes, uh, it much easier to avoid being sniped because you've got a slippery bottom and it's very hard to snipe someone who is on a cool slide all the time. Just ask any Warframe baddie. <laughs> yeah. And that is all of the, um, sliding on our bums we've got time for, for this week. If you would like to ask us a question, uh, which is different, you can do that. You can tweet us at Crate and Crowbar. You can also email us at questions at com. you may 
find us. I don't know why I'm failing to speak. <laughs> it's been doing it for like too long. It takes our running out. out. <laughs> Help. Um, YouTube. YouTube. Forward slash Creighton Crowbar. Save us. Discord. It exists. Link. Mm. Website. CreightonCrowbar.com. If you like, follow us individually on Twitter. Uh, we still do this bit, even though none of us really use it anymore. Yeah. And I've started saying it, so I'll finish. Uh, you can find me on, I'm at C Thurston, that's C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N. I, Tom Senior, I'm at P-C-G Ludo, L-U-D-O. I am at Rotational, R-O-T-A-T-I-O-N-A-L. And now we can all go to sleep. Good night, night, everybody. everybody.